Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face, episode 257 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. This is the flagship show of Sifted Games. We're going to be here for the next couple hours talking about the biggest games and stories from the gaming industry over the last week. Alongside me to do that is Matthew Kyle. What's up, Matt? Happy Tuesday to you, my friend. Thank you. Uh, happy allergy season, too. Jesus. It's been brutal. And we here's the thing, so if you have allergies... When you move to California, and I have I have bad seasonal allergies. Like I used to have to take an allergy pill every day when I lived on the East Coast for like five months straight. When you move here, your allergies go away. I I have, mm-hmm. I never have to take allergy medicine here except for this week. I've had a bottle of Zyrtec for like eleven years. In fact, it's probably expired, and I should probably replace. Definitely expired. Yeah. <laughs> But I never have to take it out here, and this week has been brutal. Like, I woke up with yeah. a sore throat, and I was like, oh, no. I'm like, maybe I got the Rona, and I'm not quite vaccinated. No, it was my allergies. Um, so, yeah. It's yeah, like- I usually don't have too many allergy problems, certainly not compared to up north. But, uh, I mean, up north, I get it. My, my allergies kicking as soon as I, I step out of the car. Yeah. But uh, it's just been suddenly, you know, it's been cold and weird here for like a few weeks. And now it's warm this week. And so all the plants are like, it's spring. Everybody burst. <laughs> um, and like this, I took, I, I don't take allergy medication much anymore, but I took Claritin D a couple hours ago because I'm like, otherwise this whole show is just going to be me sneezing constantly. Yeah, or sniffling. Um, so uh, I, I was literally sneezing so hard. I was having trouble playing Biomutant for any like <laughs> length of time. Uh, like without having to pause and stop and sneeze. Um, so yeah, that's that's been my day. It um, is beautiful here, though. Oh, it's gorgeous, but like that's why it sucks. The for la- allergies it, right uh, now. Yeah, it does suck. The last two days, we finally got LA weather back. It has yeah. been cold here all year, and just finally, these last two days, my niece was actually in town this past weekend, and the weather went perfect on Sunday, just in time for her to hang out with us. Uh, but it is nice walking outside and feeling the perfect yeah. 75 degree temperatures and the breeze. Yeah, when we say cold, we mean like 68. Right, right. Yeah, well, it's, it's it like got LA pretty cold. cold. It got down to like 40 something for like a whole month there. So overnight a couple times, yeah. But yeah. like, but uh, we there, are there back were just points it. where I was like, why is it May in Los Angeles and I need to j- a jacket? That's <laughs> weird. Know. Like it's, that's not a thing. I, that's not what I moved here for. Yeah, but anyway, the the weather here is beautiful, just in time mm-hmm. for E3. E3's coming oh, it'll up. go back to the weird overcast shit that it does for every E3. Every E3 is like, yeah, I even said that to someone when when it was all dark and like kind of gloomy like last week. I was like, this is E3 weather. This is a month early. Like this is supposed to be what it's like during E3. So everyone's like, oh, downtown LA is so dark and gray. It's like, no, it just looks like that when you're here. Yeah, yeah, but I, E3 is coming up fast. It's yeah. in like two and a half, three weeks here. Was it uh, June 13th for the Marcus Microsoft conference? As they said today. Yeah. Yep, yeah. so we're about two and a half, three weeks away from E3, getting excited. Um, as we get closer to uh, the show, we'll start doing E3 previews. We'll start hyping it up and start talking about it a lot more. Not quite there yet. Oh, we do have... nothing's coming out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing we do need to update you guys on, next week's show will not be live on Tuesday. Matt has something that he has to do and he can't get out of. Uh, so the show is Wednesday of next week. And then the week after that, Matt, you're out completely, correct? Uh, no. No? I thought no. no that's the end of June, actually. Where end you're of June. End of June. Uh, I'm out completely, but I, I think that's going to time out with you being out completely. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because after E3, I'm going to take off for about a week, week and a half. 
to finally go home and see my family. I am five days away from full vaccination at this point. It will have been Mm. two weeks since my second shot. I'm very excited about that. Really excited about going home and seeing my family for the first time in forever. Um, So anyway, hope you guys are all doing great as well. Hope uh, you guys are all getting vaccinated, getting back to normal life. It's been crazy watching like sporting events over the last like week and seeing full arenas. Like the Penguins game last night, they had 10,000 people at the game. And it started kind of last week, and it was very shocking at first to see. Um, Mm -hmm. But now I've kind of, you know, I'm back. I'm used to it. It's great to see people back out, getting back to life and all that kind of stuff. We did did our first in-person movie night for our movie night group since February last year on Saturday. Yep. We watched Superman, the the real Superman, Christopher Reeve. Uh Uh-huh. Um, that was really good. And then uh, the next day, some people came over and played board game. Like, just came over. <laughs> just came over nice? and we played board game. Just, that's the thing we can do now. Look at that. Do you demand the Vax card when people come over, Matt? <laughs> nah, I know. I know who isn't. Actually, uh, today, uh, I got a I got a message from uh, the place I got my vaccination. And they're like, oh, we, we're offering, like, just open walk-ins, no appointment today until, like, 2.30 if you know anyone who needs them. And I'm like, I don't. Yeah. Like, everyone I know has at least one shot by this point. Yeah. Most um, people I know. Yeah, I can't think of anyone, at least not anyone in L.A. That, that doesn't have at least one shot so far. Yep. It's pretty awesome to see life getting slowly back to normal. Still, obviously, feeling for people in other places like India, obviously, even Canada. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's not remotely over. Yeah, even Canada um, is still bad. Like, if you've been Canada watching. Canada is a disaster. Canada is nasty right now. Yeah. I mean, um, if you've been watching the hockey games from Canada. Their arenas are still empty. There's nobody yeah. in them still. So uh, we don't want to forget that there are people around the world who don't. No, definitely have Canada. I mean, Canada's having a very hard time. Uh, the UK is on the on the edge of a hard time. India is a, is the worst uh, case scenario imaginable. Insane. Brazil is not far behind. Like worldwide, yeah. we are not done with this at all. Yep. And um, also, let's not forget that part of the reason the United States is is so far ahead in this regard is because we kind of we kind of kind of hoarded a lot of vac- vaccinations we, for mean, ourselves. We almost all of it. Um, yeah. yeah, like we just but that's sort of, sort of what we do. We so. are starting to send it out, though, which is yeah, good. It was, and we're going to have to really step that up because the other thing is like it's bad for everyone. It's, I mean, obviously worse for we say, need everybody India. to get better. Yeah, right. I mean, but it's like the more time you let like this thing circulate among huge populations like in India, uh, the more likely you're going to get some weird variant that's going to be able to ignore the vaccines and we're going to be right back to square one. Yep. So yep. It, it's in everyone, all of humanity's best interest to take care of everybody as best we can. And not and just in this case, let's be honest, in general. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> but something like this really but brings it to steps, the forefront. You know, yeah, like exactly. let's start with a pandemic and then talk about maybe not bankrupting yourself just because you got sick once. Yep. Uh, So anyway, here we are for episode 257. Uh, If you're listening to this show out on the wilds of the podcast space uh, and you'd like to support us, head to patreon.com slash sifted. That's S-I-F-T-D without the E. Um, If you pledge $4 or more per month, and that's it, uh, you get all our content early. In a lot of cases, a week early, but in most cases, four days early. Um, and if you can't do that and you're watching us on YouTube, down in the description, there are instructions on how to help us with Twitch Prime. It's very easy. Uh, once you connect your Amazon Prime account to your Twitch account, it's literally a one-click thing that you have to do every 30 days. We really appreciate it. It costs you nothing, provided that you are already an Amazon Prime member, which it seems at this point, Matt, everybody is. 
<laughs> yeah, pretty much. Their numbers are insane how many people they have subscribing to that. It's just amazing the business that Amazon yeah. has built. Uh, not going to translate to Luna, though. Like just let's, yeah, <laughs> I think that's safe to say. Let's not fool ourselves. Uh, before we get into the show, I want to thank the people who have subscribed to Twitch Prime Live while we've been up on Twitch. Corey Film, thank you for Twitch Prime. We appreciate it, man. It's really awesome. Gerzilla, thank you. 26 months for Gerzilla. You are in quite a streak, my friend. Thank you for remembering to do that every month. And that is a pain in the ass. I get it. I know some people have set, like, calendar alerts up in their cell phones so they get alerted when they need to resubscribe. It appears you may have done that, Gerzilla. If you did, thank you, man. That's really awesome. Um, let's see. We're in the middle or the late part of the month, so a lot of people have already resubscribed at this point. Thanks to you guys who did it early on in the show. Speaking of which, let's get on with the show. We're going to kick things off with, undoubtedly, the biggest game of the week. We've been doing that lately. Uh, we used to save the biggest game for the last uh, topic of the show, but we started switching it up and putting it on the top. That game is Biomutant, a game that has been long in development. Um, at least five years it's been in development. I mean, we, we've known about it for like four years now. Does that sound right, Matt? Sounds about right, yeah. I mean, it's it was delayed like two different times. As it turns out, I didn't do a lot of research on the game until I was preparing to talk about it here on mm -hmm. Game Face. It was but, one, it's one of those games where it's like they, they you saw the trailer and then like you forgot about it for like two years and then they showed something else. You're like, oh yeah, that thing. I yeah. guess that's still alive. You know, it's like well, the trailer, the first trailer was really interesting. And I will yeah. say this: the final game doesn't remind me a whole lot of that first trailer. Like no, although it's in there. Yeah. Like the like the events of the trailer occur at the beginning of the game, just in a much less interesting way. Yeah. Like the um, creatures that ended up in the final game aren't really like the creatures that were in the first trailer. There was like, wasn't yeah. there like a duck or something in the first one? Like an animorphous yeah, duck? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the world is very large. I'm willing to accept that those things might be in there somewhere, somewhere. and I just haven't seen them yet. But like the thing didn't go live until this morning. Like I don't know what happened. I, for whatever reason, this game didn't go live until seven a.m. Pacific this morning. Oh, have you um, just been playing since this morning? Yeah, oh, so okay. I, I played like three hours this morning just okay. to to taste it. But like normally, games go live at like nine p.m., which is midnight Eastern. Yeah, uh, the night before, and this one for some reason didn't go up till this morning. So I only got to play it for like three hours this morning. Well, Matt, I will um, say this: as someone who has played a lot more than that, I feel like. What I experienced in the first few hours is pretty much what I'm still experiencing at this yeah, point. Yeah, I'm getting the impression um, that, that if, and yeah, I know this, the review said that too, but I'm definitely feeling that even already. I'm like, oh, I, th I think I've seen everything you got yeah, already. I, mean, like it's I wouldn't go that far, but it its biggest detriment to me is that it does get repetitive very mm -hmm. quickly. Um, I think that's its biggest problem. And when you're talking about a game like this, that's kind of a fatal flaw, to be perfectly mm. honest with you. And just to get you up to speed on what Biomutant is, because in all honesty, for the longest time, none of us did know what it was, Matt. Like, I remember we mm. would ask each other, what exactly is this game? And the reason we couldn't figure it out is because, and even the developers have said this, by the way, Matt, they have taken elements of all the most popular action games and action RPGs, from the last, like, and I would say even going back like seven or eight years, this game does feel dated in some ways, and mash them all into one game. So it's kind of like Breath of the Wild mixed with the Batman Arkham games, mixed with, oh, like, even a little bit of, like, Neo in there, a little bit of Devil May Cry in there, because the combat, mm -hmm. you have both a gun and a sword, 
it's like kung fu angled like yeah there's a lot of like you can see where they're drawing from on a lot of the stuff except the problem is that all of it is a little watered down like it's all like kind of simplified versions of things other games have done better yeah uh mixed together in a i'll, I'll say like this game's janky yeah like like the first the first time I moved the character forward with a stick, I was like, oh no. Like yeah. it has that like kind of classic Euro Eurojank. Yeah, it Eurojank really does. thing where like <laughs> where the character feels like it's moving faster than its walks, like run cycle should let it move. Like it, yeah. it feels like you're skating along in a way that like is is not matching up to the world you're being shown somehow. And the combat same, yeah, the combat has no impact. The combat has very little to it like there's no when you hit something it doesn't really feel like you hit it uh if it wasn't popping up a little comic book zap pow stuff like you wouldn't barely even know you were making contact most of the time um like there's a lot of nuance to like what you can do in combat but none of it really feels satisfying matt the combat feels god awful we'll we'll get to that let's talk about the story first to kind of set up the game for people um it is set on in a at least on a human planet i don't know if it's ever established if it's actually earth I mean, judging by the car makes and models, it was Earth. It seems to um, be Earth, yeah. It seems to be. It seems like the apocalypse of a post-apocalyptic world. Like, yeah. So, the human, the human world ended and gave rise to all these intelligent mutant animals, uh, and now those animals' world is also ending. Yeah, uh, for the, reasons that are fairly vague, but seem to involve a tree. Yeah, they eventually um, spell it out. There's a tree called the Tree of Life that kind of gives life to the whole planet, and there are these four world eaters that are mm-hmm. eating the roots of the tree. And so it's your task to the first thing yeah, here, you do is you here you have your Breath of the Wild comparison, right? In, uh, right. And the way the world is laid out is also very yeah. Breath of the Wild. The design of but the just game. like okay, there's four beasts that you have to go to the corners of the map to kill yeah. and team up with different tribes that like are the ones who will help you beat each beast. Okay, yeah, I see where you're going here. Like yeah, and the um, tribe part is a big deal. Like at the first part of the game, you choose like which of two tribes you want to join. One mm-hmm. is trying to is basically trying to hasten the end of the world. The other one is trying to save the tree of life. So you make that choice there, but from what I've seen, Matt, honestly, like I don't think there's that much of a difference between which side that you choose. It doesn't seem to result in particularly different gameplay. Um, I think there's there seems there's a bunch of tribes in the game, and you still fight the bosses, for example, even if you're trying to end the world. But like (laughs) the morality system seems to be almost incidental. Yeah, there's this like these fairies that sit on your shoulder. One's black and one's white, Um, and so Mm. you're kind of walking down this morality trail, trying to decide whether you're going to be good or bad. I haven't seen a lot of influence on that at all. There no, are some... It seems to just, like, depend on whether people will tell you secrets sometimes. Yep. Um, and a lot of that that's... depends on your stats. So right now in the B-roll, yeah. we're, we're checking out character creation, which I will say one thing I really like about this game is how the character creation works. So you see there's that, like, scale on the left there. You use the analog stick to kind of nudge it in the direction you want your character to be. And then you'll see your character actually change in real time and kind of morph. So mm-hmm. if you choose, you like, I, for instance, I played with, like, a Commando, who is strong and powerful and good with guns. Um, if you choose, like, the strength rating, like, leaning towards the strength rating, you'll see your character's muscles get bigger. If 
you choose to go kind of the psi option or the uh, the intelligence option, their head will get bigger. And as you do yeah. this on these little meters, you see your character model change in real time depending on sort of yeah. Although I will say you can upgrade your stats pretty easily and substantially every time you level up. So really that, like, really that screen you should focus more on how you want the character to look yeah. than does, what the stats are. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. One of the other big issues with this game is that it's completely unbalanced. It, it only mm-hmm. takes like five hours before you can just destroy everything with very little thought. And the one thing I would say about this, too, is that the RPG elements in this game are a lot heavier than most action RPGs. There are so many systems running under the hood. It's it's overkill, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Yeah, well, because you. you got the stats, and then you've got stats on those stats, and then you've got the perks, and then you've got your combat abilities, and then you've got that go per style and per type of, of weapon, yeah. and then you've got your psi abilities, and then you've got... Um, uh, well, you got your bio mutation abilities yep. that like change how the character looks and plays in that regard. Like it's just, and then you've got uh, resistances to different like elemental types, and you. I mean, it just just it's just systems way on it's systems like, on systems. Yeah, which is another way. It's like Breath of the Wild. There are parts of the world that you'll go into that will be toxic, and there's like yeah. four different ways it can be toxic. And if you don't have the right armor and the right sort of alignment setup. You will eventually die, just like Breath of the Wild. However, I will say again that it's hard to die <laughs> from that stuff because it's just your character eventually becomes so overpowered compared to what's happening in the game that you can wipe out enemies really quickly. So you don't even have to spend a lot of time in those sort of danger zones, so to speak. Yeah, and you also get you pick a class. Yep. Um, which gives you another set of skills to to buy. Um, I pick saboteur. Yeah, I picked the commando, as I said earlier, because um, I wanted to be equal with swords and with guns. But then I'm not as good in conversations with, you know, convincing people. And I, again, mm-hmm. I haven't seen that a lot of that really matters either, to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah, although the convincing people thing is also weird because if you fail, you lose stat points. Um, yep. Which would give you an idea of how cheap stat points are to do. Like, They're like, disposable, yeah. Yeah, uh, so, and also if you don't like that, you can just save and reload. Yep. Until you get a success, because it just it's just rolling dice under the hood. Yep. Um, so let's talk about the combat now. So I agree with you a thousand percent. It feels awful. The, the problem mm-hmm. is it doesn't feel. There is no. Yeah. Feel. There's no feeling. It's just it's it's like it's like smashing cardboard characters into each other. And I think the big like, even when problem. you fight like a giant thing, it's like ten times your size. Like there's no heft to any of it. There's no like, reaction. The animation yeah. in this game is terrible. That is the mm-hmm. root of the problem and a lot of problems in this game. Um, just the animations. Look, crazy things are happening. Like, you can get really good at this game to where you get mm-hmm. into combat, and if you watch somebody doing it, you're like, damn, you could yeah. do some crazy stuff in this game. There's, like, cool, like, you, like the parry system is, is a cool idea. And then, like, if you get the, the counter from the parry, you can then hit, like, left bumper and, and pop the and like pop them up and do air juggles and then smash them down into the other enemy. Like, there's a lot of stuff in there, but it all feels like um, nothing. It all, like, yeah. there's no It feels like you're attacking, like, a paper mache animal yeah. or whatever. Um, there's, um, there's no reaction from the enemies or very little reaction from the enemies when you hit them with either a sword or the gun. The gun, they mm-hmm. just run right at you like it hasn't hit them at all and i can't the- remember who said this but like it was some other it was some other game that somebody 
maybe it was Sessler, but somebody described it as like a game similar. It was a similar thing where like the combat just didn't have enough feedback. And they said, it's like having sex with a Kevlar condom on. You're going through the motions, but you can't feel anything. That's a good way to and, describe it. And game. I thought I thought of that line when I was playing this game. Yeah. Um, it's it, it, I don't know. Like it, everything that feels good about God of War's combat. Imagine the opposite of that. <laughs> it really is like the polar opposite. And it is a shame because, as you can see, you're constantly getting like new doohickeys and new attachments, mm-hmm. and and they do make a difference. It's like you'll get like a little thing that you attach to your gun, and all of a sudden your gun is like shoots lightning bolts, and mm-hmm. that part of the game I really like. And but and you can like a- flip around and access that and change that stuff really easy and fast, and like mm-hmm. like they got that part right. It's just I don't know. Like it's just, like it needs more of like the like what a lot of those other like God, God of War does it and uh, Tsushima did. It's like things where like. If I hit a guy hard, do that slow slowdown thing. That's that split second slowdown thing where I feel the impact of the hit, or like do the like give me more feedback on the controller vibration or something. Like it needs I just sound feel effects like I'm not and animation. It's really what it is. Like the sound effects for landing blows are sound terrible, yeah, and the enemies there. just don't react to being struck like they should. There's yeah, just a disconnect. Just, the all the combat is. Like I don't know if there's ever been a game, a combat combat system in a game that that anemic described better. Like it's just not, and it feels like you could get it there. Like it feels like if you did, if you if you beefed up this and like added a little feedback on this, like I feel like you could get it there. Like they've got something here. It's just it's just horrendously unsatisfying to play. It needs. It also needs a different wrapper. I hate the art in this game. I like the idea where you you know you have mm. like these animals with just random like parts from former human human society slapped yeah. like, on. I like, them. I, I like the aesthetic. I just they look I terrible. It's, I think it's ugly. It's, like, ugly. it's an ugly game. Yes, it is ugly. Like, and I'm not saying like I mean from like a technical graphics perspective. Like, like especially when they're close up on these things, you're like, oh, the fur sh- shading is offensive. Almost. Which is worse, like, this or Resident Evil Village? The fur shading. <laughs> um, That's a close one. <laughs> I think this. I think this because like the fur shading in Resident Evil doesn't look great, but it you can kind of get away with it as like an aesthetic, the way Bloodborne does. Yeah. Um, this though, like when the especially the closer shots of the fur creatures, like. It feels archaic. Like it feels like last gen fur shading. Yeah. Like it. Like a couple. There's a couple shots in here that uh, uh, that a couple closer shots in this that would not have been not like not at home on a 360. Um. It's just. It's just a lot of the game feels. Uh, weirdly primitive. Yeah, the world can be very pretty though. There's sometimes where you'll step yeah. out onto a vista and I'm like, wow, that's beautiful. But then. There's a cutscene that shows one of the characors up close, and I'm just saying. Yeah, and you're just like, what? The like, did you even this game alien is so guy? bad. Like, what they're is just, going on? Yeah, they're so ugly. Like everything in this world is ugly. I could not create a character that, to my standards, was aesthetically pleasing. Mm. I still hate my character the way my character looks. It, he looks like I don't even know. It's like ET cross with Yoda or some crap. Yeah. Like, I just. I don't like the art. Like, a lot of the characters you interact with are just ugly. Like, I don't like looking at them. And the mm. cutscenes, they're not even really cutscenes. They're more just like they stand there while this... And let's talk about the narrator in a second, by Yeah, the this way. is one of the strangest ways of presenting character interaction I have ever seen. But all the characters you interact with just look awful. Like, look away from the TV awful. And then the story is told by this narrator... And it's the narrator is even more intrusive than what you've you've got in uh, like 
Super Giants games, which does it perfectly here. And this feels like that's what they're trying to emulate. Yep. But they're not. Oh, it just falls on his face. It. Oh my gosh. Uh, it it makes me not want to play the game. He tries mm-hmm. to make You can turn him off. Yeah, I I know, right. and I am going to turn him off. But then there's no voice acting or storytelling in the game at all. Right. The, <laughs> and that's the weird it's like the animal so the animals talking in kind of a gibberish. Which also um, is awful, I would but add. Like what happens is like the animals talk in gibberish, and then the narrator tells you what they say. He translates them. Yeah. But he like says like it's like, but it's not like it's just narrating what they're what's going on. And it's like it's like the animal goes, and then the narrator says he says that he doesn't think that did it. I'm just like, why are you telling me that? Like, and it, I've read like the lower third with yeah. the text in it before he finishes, and it's and it's this weird way of like, Hi. it's a weird way of separating me from the characters and the act. Like I feel like I never get to know any of these characters or interact with these characters because I'm kept like at arm's length by this narrator. And then they do weird stuff. Like there's a, you meet an, an old like otter or something in a, in a you know, wheelchair. And then you do a flashback to when you were a kid and the otter is young in the flashback. And he's Elvis. And he's like, and he's like, like the Fonz or something. Or Elvis. Like, I can't tell what he's yeah, supposed and he, to and be. Like, so his gibberish sound, sounds like, oh, oh, like, oh, it sounds, oh, it's like, oh. doing, like a weird Elvis sort of like <laughs> oh, 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 kind of yeah. thing. And you're like, what am I? What he's like in blue jeans and a leather jacket. And you're like, yeah. who did you kill for that leather jacket? Exactly. Yeah, you're an animal um, wearing a leather you're jacket. You're an animal wearing an animal. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's, I mean, I guess it's just there for whimsy and stuff, but it's like. It's I, just I, bad. Early, Especially early on, it makes me. I'm great. It, I just I just turn into a, a, the guy from Futurama. This just raises further questions. Like it's, um, <laughs> it's such a weird. It, it's like it's not like, like it could have been good weird, but it's more like frustrating weird. This is like the king sense. of uh, master of all or jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, there's an element. Games. There's definitely an element of like, oh, you really should have picked a a, a, a lane. Yeah. on this game, or maybe two that. lanes instead of ten. Yeah, yeah, it's like because <laughs> you can tell even early on, it's like, oh, this game's big. Like this is gonna go on for a while. Yeah, I don't and think I don't it's as big as you think. I want it to though. go on for a while. <laughs> I mean, I've beat the second boss already, and it didn't take me as long as I thought. Now there's mm-hmm. a, you can get distracted and get caught up with side oh, there's quests. tons of like open world you know old school open worldy collect all the things stuff going on and like you know all that's that yeah. it's the and it's like little things like like if there's a visual cue that indicates that i've unlocked one of the flag like the flags for like fast travel mm-hmm. i can't figure out what it is i can't either but isn't it funny how you pee on the pole to activate yeah. the fast travel yeah, point i mean you're, you're marking <laughs> your territory i guess but like but I've looked at, I've activated the same flag multiple times because I can't remember which one. You know, I'm like, it, it feels like they should light up or do yeah. something. They're on your map, obviously, but like, there's no in-game visual cue that you've already unlocked that part, which I think is extremely strange. Yeah, um, I, the the mission objectives become repetitive almost mm-hmm. immediately. Literally, almost immediately. This is one of the worst mission games with missions that i've played in a really long time they're all fetch quests almost yeah. all of them are fetch quests and yeah, if they're not certainly fetch everything, quests, I've done, everything i've done so far has been I, I guess it doesn't get any better yep and if they're not fetch quests they're this stupid like color matching puzzle thing that mm-hmm. is literally through the whole game and how easy those are are dependent on your stats um, but again, I haven't really like bumped up my intelligence or focused on it at all. And they were all no. just as easy as a combat. Like intelligence determines how many like 
moves you get to use during mm -hmm. it, but it's like, I don't know. So far, I haven't seen anything that required more than three moves, and I have never upgraded my intelligence. I have ten moves to start with. Yeah. There's so. a stamina meter in the game, which you know how much I love that. Um, but it's pretty yeah. generous. It regenerates quickly, and it's pretty big, at least for my character it is. I haven't found myself like Yeah, I'm, I've never run often. out of the, the key uh, or anything like that. Like Even though I, do you know, I dodge all the time, because um, that's just my Dark Souls instincts, but like I've never run out of anything. Yeah. Um, never even come close to dying. Uh, it's, it's weird. Like I, it's, I don't know. Like there's, there's a world in which this was a kind of a pleasant, a pleasant enough B list game. And I just feel like it missed that train. Yeah. Because there aren't many B list games like this anymore. No. And no. what I was getting at earlier was I didn't really look into this game all that much until I was preparing to talk about it here on game phase. And what I realized is that the development team is like 20 people. So mm -hmm. that explains why it was delayed so many times. I think it also explains, you know, a lot of things in this game, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it explains, like, the ambition is there, but the execution is not. Um, but I do it might have, you, It might have been a, a feature creep problem or something. You know, the, the, I mean, in, in you know, to turn it around, like, it's really impressive that, like, 20 people yeah, made this. It really is. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I had no clue that the team was that small. Yeah, well, part of it, playing, it, it, it doesn't see. look like it. When you see, yeah. like, footage of this game, it does not look like a 20-person team. It looks like a AAA uh, effort. Maybe not, like, in the in terms of full-on visual stuff, but it doesn't look like a small team indie game or anything. Yeah, and to your point earlier, I also feel like this has promise. Like, I feel like mm -hmm. even if this just had a different look to it, I probably would have enjoyed it a little bit more if they removed the narrator. And, and I get why they do it. It's a cheap way to tell a story if you're a small team. Like, you hire yeah. one guy I to come think, in and read everything. I think everything. you either, either have the narrator or have the characters talking to each other. Right. Like, one or the other. But, like, right. Like I the would way air with the characters it, talking to each other. Probably. <laughs> but the way they did it, like, like, feels like you're just wasting my time. Like, it feels like the cutscenes take twice as long as they should because... I have to listen to the character, the animal talk, and then I have to listen to the narrator interpret what the animal said, and then the animal says another line, and then the, the narrator talks again. It's just like just subtitle the gibberish and it call really that starts your to grate on the nerves very quickly. It does not take long, and there are, you can skip it. Um, yeah, but it's still you can annoying. Turn the narrator off. You can turn the gibberish off. You can turn all that off. But it's like if your main storytelling conveyance you feel the need to put off switches on them, you might have a problem. Yeah. Like, it's it's an odd it's an odd choice. I do feel for this team a little bit though, because like you said, like you would never dream twenty people made this game. No. I mean no. the work that they did, it is impressive. But the truth is is you're gonna charge X amount of dollars for a game like this. It's gonna be compared to the other games that are asking that much money for them. Yeah, and like in the end, it's a sixty dollar open world, uh, you know, pushed as a high end game uh, title. And like, I'm gonna go into this expecting something, you know, that I'm gonna to compare to a Ghost of Tsushima or a uh, or a God of War, which isn't isn't fair considering it's twenty people versus like four hundred. But like, but then the game should be thirty bucks. Yeah, or it should be, you know, I don't know. Or they, sh you, know, you get, you got to narrow the scope somehow so mm -hmm. you can polish the parts that you need to polish. You know, the combat in here has potential. Like, like I, I agree. It's a, a little movement in one direction or the other, and you've got gold. I think yeah. you've got they're something kind of really like they good. They remind me of Spiders, the team that made this. They're, yeah, they're making yeah. action RPGs that are just right on the cusp of being something good. 
Yeah, like the this is the action RPG version of Technomancer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, like I mean, Technomancer was also an action RPG, but it's like it's like Technomancer was trying to do the Bioware model and like was so close it was frustrating. Yeah. And this is sort of the same. Like this is a little bit like. Also, I'll say this. In my like worst case scenario or, or not great case scenario, this is kind of what I expect the new fable to end up being. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I would like, hope that they would g- be smart enough to pull back on having so many ideas. I will say this though, I don't know that I've ever played a game like this, Matt. Like they have taken all these ideas from these other mm-hmm. games and put them all in one game, and somehow it has resulted in a game that doesn't really look or play like pretty much yeah. any other game. I, here's, here's the weird thing that I thought. I have played board games like this that took a bunch of ideas from a bunch of other popular games and meshed them together into one board game. Yeah. But that doesn't really happen in video games all that often. Yeah. Usually they'll take one thing and they'll try to make it better. They yeah. don't really do any of that with this. Like they take all these things and none of them are actually as good as the games that they were borrowed from. Right, but you can see why those were incorporated from like the pitch meetings. Right, right. Like, yeah. you, like you can see if you imagine what this game is in the heads of the people who made it, that's like a game of the year candidate. Yeah. If they got every, if they nailed everything, they nailed everything. Yeah. Like this would have been wow. This would have been like a blow your mind out the back of the theater kind of thing. But they um, don't. But like, they don't, yeah. Like the Arkham-style combat. It works like Arkham does. Like your character automatically jumps between enemies like all willy-nilly. But that yeah, drove me crazy. I've not frustrated by targeting or anything like that. I it's, have it's, been. It drove me crazy. I haven't. Like because uh, you'll have like... More on the guns. More on the guns than the uh, than the, the melee. Like the melee, I feel, is is just far enough back that I don't get blindsided too much. The targeting with the with the ranged weapons I have a harder time with. I just don't like how you could have an enemy that's almost dead and you need to land one more hit and instead of landing that one more hit, your character will just go over to some enemy who hasn't been hit at all yet. And there's no way hmm. to stop it in the heat of battle. It just happens. So, I mean, it is offset by the fact that the game is exceptionally easy and you'll probably right. never I haven't actually I don't know if I've died in this game now that I think about it. Have you? No. I don't know what happens. But I'm pretty early. Die. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm in the run up to the first boss, so I haven't really fun anything. Oh no, no, no! Really no. I did buy. I did die in a boss fight, and there are, there was a checkpoint. It said it allowed mm-hmm. me to select a checkpoint, but it is really difficult to die. Like out in the open world, like again, that's where it's not like Zelda. It was very possible to di- to die in Breath of the Wild. Um, in this game, it's not. It's just not well balanced and. Some people may like that. Like, I could see a kid being able to play this game no problem. Um, and I don't think there's really much content in it that would keep me from recommending it to kids. Not really. Like, there's – it's not particularly violent. It's not bloody that yeah. I've seen. It's not it's like you're hacking the creatures up and, yeah. and cutting their heads there's off. There's no or dismemberment or blood no. or anything um, like that. The story is kind of your basic, like, environmental – it is a little heavy-handed with the eco little stuff. It's a, it's, a little, it's a little Captain Planet <laughs> yeah. in places. Um, like, what is the, the big bad corporation that caused all the problems? It's called, like, Toxinol or something they like that. They were dumping like, sludge into the ocean. ocean and, and, like, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, duh. Like, <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> yeah, but... Not I, like they're wrong, but it's, yeah. it, a lot of it just does, like, a lot of it feels like a throwback in not always a pleasant way. Yep, unfortunately. It does feel like a game... That probably should have come out four or five years ago, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. It probably would have been better received by them. But now every game is an action RPG. So 
you have so many comps to compare games like this too that it just doesn't hold up favorably. Yeah, now it sort of made me think of like something like um, uh, combat in this is better than this, but that's sort of like uh, Mad Max. Yeah, where it was like, oh, that yeah, that was. I don't know who's going to find that and think it's amazing, but like I see what you're going for. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, it, but Mad Max came out around about the right time for itself. Yep. Yeah. You this know, is like just half a decade too late, I feel like. Yeah. Well, it was like that. It was right in that expansion where everything was becoming an open world action RPG. And Max had just the right kind of, oh, the car combat. No one had really done that in a, in a really kind of crunchy way yet. And they got that. And the, the fighting was just satisfying enough to keep you going through the whole thing and it was really big and sprawling to the point that you felt like you got your money's worth even you got even if you got bored a ways through yeah um and i feel like if biomutant had been around around that time because they are incorporating a lot of like like you said definitely cry like a lot of character action ideas into the combat um especially with the gunplay the gunplay more so than the melee the melee is very arkham inspired i think the gunplay is very devil may cry inspired yep because it's um, auto targeting for the most part like yeah for for your melee stuff it's all auto targeting and even like the guns have a very healthy auto aim assist mm-hmm. um you do you can and you do need to aim manually a lot of the time but again it's so easy you just kind of just spray and pray and it just all kind of yeah. works out <laughs> And that works pretty well for the most part, but like, but like you, you can see like that those things if they'd been part of a, a game, you know, back then, like no one had really done that before. Yeah, and um, it has like a parry and a counter system, and it yeah. has everything. Like there are dodge like, slow mo when you dodge, like we're just, you know, it's yep. taken straight out of uh, Bayonetta. Yep, special um, attacks, and if you chain four of them together, you go into this yeah. crazy overdrive mode. And as you and you get skills together, you can like chain uh, change range chain ranged with melee and vice versa. Yeah. Like it's all very intertwined. And once you learn how it works, that you can do some cool stuff. It just you don't have just, to. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to. And like it doesn't feel good when you do it. It yeah. doesn't feel any different when you do it. You're you know? seeing all this crazy stuff happen on screen, but you feel like completely detached from it all yeah it's yeah, like you're watching somebody problem. else play when you're yeah, I playing feel like i didn't do it it feels <laughs> it feels very autopiloty in yeah. a weird way yeah. um the whole game yeah, kind of feels that way in all honesty it's just yeah it's just like and we're probably being more negative than it really is it's really just sort of like a mediocre game yeah like really well, average i feel game. like we've, we've kind of praised it in the right ways and the ways that it does things yeah well. i just it's just it's it. I I'm I'm I feel like maybe I'm a little harsher than I should be just because I'm I, I think it's disappointing. Like as you can see what, what it could have been. Could be. yeah. And I don't want to say like oh you lazy twenty person dev team you should have worked harder. That's yeah, not yeah. what I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just saying like it just didn't come together right and it sucks because like it could have like you can see what this game could have been if it did come together right and I really like what they were after. Yeah, if this game were thirty bucks, I would recommend it. Yeah, yeah. That to me is the selling point of this game, and that's what it should around what it should have been priced at. Even forty, I would be forty. Forty would be fine. I'd yeah. be open to forty. Like I would be yeah. like, if you are a big fan of this genre, then I would pick it up at forty bucks. Yeah, it's like if you're like if you like what this genre is, and you have heard what we and the other other reviews have said, and sort of like know what you're getting into, like walking in with your eyes open, like yeah. forty is not a bad price. But this. thirty to me would be a sweet spot. I think it would actually do pretty well, and I think that would thirty make, would be like just about anybody should try it. And I would think they would yeah. invent, they would make more money. I think they would sell double the copies mm-hmm. that they're going to sell at sixty. Well, bucks. I I have a feeling it'll be thirty or forty pretty soon. Yeah, because it's although it's selling pretty well apparently. Is it? It's aggregate uh, it's, right now is not great. Like, aggregate is not great, but it was THQ Nordic's like best launch on Steam ever. I think. Oh boy. 
or something like that. I don't know it if that like, says something about BioMutant yeah, or if exactly. it says something about the rest of THQ Nordic. Right, that, that might be up. a perspective, a framing thing. Yeah. But, um, but still, like, THQ Nordic does a lot and it's still yeah. around. So, yeah. you know, if this is a big success for them and by their standards, like, that still counts for them. Yeah. Um, you know, so so I don't know. Like maybe it maybe it did exactly what they thought it would do, but we'll see. I would say this: it does feel and play more like Breath of the Wild than probably any other game. Um, Even games that look more like Breath of the Wild visually, I feel like this yeah, plays more like Breath of the like Wild. Like the other comparison I would make would be like Immortals: Phoenix Rising. Yeah, but um, that's so puzzle which is, heavy. Which is more, um, which is more classic Zelda. It's more Zelda than Zelda, yeah. oddly enough. And uh, and also like the combat and it's much more driven by uh, Assassin's Creed, uh, yep. like it's clearly Assassin's Creed combat being adapted to a more light version than like what what Zelda does. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is not Zelda combat either. Like it's it's very much much more ambitious than Zelda's combat. It just doesn't like doesn't feel as said, good as Zelda's combat though. <laughs> right. But like you said, um, you know, like like Breath of the Wild is a bunch of systems interacting. Yeah. Uh, and this and this this wants to be that, but it's really more a bunch of systems that are sort of like living next door to each other or laying on top of each other. Yeah, smothering they, they, don't, each other. they don't interact a whole lot. It's just this. <laughs> they're sort of all at the bar together. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, all look, drunk on different whiskey. Yeah. And look, don't get me. Don't get me wrong. Don't think I'm saying like if you like Breath of the Wild, you should buy this. I'm just saying that people who like Breath of the Wild probably will enjoy it a little bit more than others. Um, yeah. As long as you recognize what you're you know getting and like you don't expect it to be as good as breath of the wild but it's like if you want to see one of the first really in earnest we're going to take breath of the wild and like make our own spin on it like that i i would i would agree that this is definitely that yep and there are mounts to help get around as we mentioned earlier there are fast travel points and there's crafting and there's all i mean there's so crafting's insane like they do you can get lost in the menus in this game. Mm-hmm. I did. At first, I couldn't even understand what everything was supposed to do. Because there was just, it was all just kind of dumped on me. The other yeah, problem, too, is that. I, it, what, what, there is just a couple of huge info dumps at the beginning of this game. In, and I in was already sick I of the narrator. I started skipping a lot of that stuff because I got sick of him very quickly. And I was like, this can't be that complicated. And then like an hour later, I regretted it. No, it's, <laughs> I knew it was going I started to, I started to get a little sleepy when I was like, because it was early in the morning. But I was yeah. like, I was getting a little sleepy during like the, the, the explanation of how everything worked at one point. So I just, I, instead of skipping, I got up and walked around and woke up again. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I'm like, I already know having seen these menus, I need to hear what they're telling me about this stuff because otherwise I'm going to be lost again. Yeah. Um, but it was it was just the, the, the pattern to me of like the, the gibberish and then the the calm British narrator, and then the gibberish, and the calm weird. British. It just lulls me into like nap time. It's just <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's just weird. I mean, this whole is. that's the best. If somebody asked me to to review this game, and actually we used to do this on game trailers on Invisible Walls. We had one word reviews, <laughs> and if I did a one word review for this game, it would just be weird because mm-hmm. it is just weird. The art is weird. The combat feels weird. How the systems work together is weird. Like I just, not I think much my one re- my one word review would be like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I, that's yeah. my main reaction to this so far. Is like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Are All you right. going to keep playing yeah. it, Matt? <laughs> yeah, I probably. I mean, look, I just started Mass Effect two last night, so like I got something better to do. I'm than off. This. I'm out. Let's I'm be, off. Let's I, be fin- I killed two but of the I bosses. I'm good. 
but I will probably come back to it just to at least fight the one one of the the world beasts and uh, the world eaters, whoever they are, and uh, and see how that goes. Um, I don't hate it. I I don't like that I paid sixty bucks for it, um, but I don't hate it. I don't, it's not terrible. It's just it, to me, like I said, it's frustrating that like this could have been a star. Yeah. And instead, I think it's just sort of a moon. And I hope this team gets to make another game. You know, I hope yeah, this game doesn't yeah, doom them. Like, it sounds like it's selling okay. So I, I, th- I think it sells there. okay. I just, I just think next time, pare back the ambition a little bit. Yeah. Um, I like a lot what of times, after. less is more. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to just jam everything into one game. It almost feels like it's like the first game they ever got to make, and they had all these ideas and things that they liked. Yeah, there's an element of like, we don't know if we're ever going to do this again, so put everything in. Put that crafting system that they've got. Put the, 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 like, I can see why it, I was delayed it multiple Fo- times, too. Focus on the combat. Focus on the world exploration. Um, and like, I think you'd, you would have had something a lot stronger. And give it a different look. Get a new artist to work on it. Like, the art in this game to me. I, and I, like, like, I, I get my- artist objective, but man... It's, I like the art in it, but like in the terms of like looking at the concept art in the trailers, I like the art. I just don't think it made the leap to the real time graphics well. Yeah, I could be. Um, I, I don't like I, the character I, designs for a lot of the characters. I do know. like most of the character design, but I think in in game, I think they're mostly ugly. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times, I just can't tell what I'm looking at. Yeah, because especially as you get further in, Matt, like the enemies start having a lot more stuff stapled onto them. Mm. Because most of the items that they attach to them are just household items from human society. Like, one of the melee weapons I got early on was, like, a toilet bowl brush. Like, that's the type of stuff you're talking about in this game. Like, and you don't know what those things are until you actually dig into them. You may look at something and be like, oh, I know what that's going to do to my character. Not necessarily. When you go and look at the actual stats, you'll be surprised to see what those things that you attach. Because you have, like... Your head, your right shoulder, your left shoulder, your left hand, your right hand, your pants, like all these different things that you can snap onto your character. And the visually, mm-hmm. they don't always kind of show you what they're actually going to do yeah. when you. But you do have stuff. to have like outfits for different situations. Like, because like yeah. early on, I'm like, how come I got so many clothing preset slots? This doesn't feel like I'm going to need them. Oh, no, you do. It's like, for because when you of the get into the areas, stuff. the hazardous areas. So you don't have mm-hmm. to go and like respec your character. You can just choose one of the ones you've already set up for the toxic environment or whatever. So, uh, again, it has everything. It has too much, but none of it is exceptional. I guess that's a good yeah. idea. It's just, I just, I feel like it's like everything's like there and it's all tied together with like a big rope around everything. Yeah. And it just feels like you need to pull it a little tighter. Yeah. Like if you could so pull some it stuff all gets together squeezed a little out. bit more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah some things might pop out. Maybe this like, the crafting that system flies away. Yeah. That's fine. You're like, whatever. <laughs> but like, it just feels like a, like you're just, rah. it's, it's, you're so close to something and it's just not, this is not, not there. Yep. So anyway, that is Biomutant. It is $60. Both of us recommend that you wait until the price drops to pick it up if you are interested after listening to uh, us talk about it over the last uh, half hour or so. Um, I've had some fun with it, but the more I've played it, the less I've enjoyed it. I yeah. enjoyed it a lot more at first than I have as I've played more of it. So I can definitely see the... the I don't even want to call it the luster because it doesn't have a luster. <laughs> I can definitely see it getting old yeah. as you go through more of it. Cause right now it's, it still is kind of new. You know, I'm only like three hours in and I've only like, you know, I did my usual thing. I was like, go here. I'm like, no, 
I'm going to just run this way and see what's over here and, and open up more of the map. And you can do that. Um, you can you go can. wherever you yeah. want, and it's not, like, gated off by some huge fence no, or whatever. But even if I, I've run into a couple enemies that are, like, double my level, mm -hmm. and not a problem. Well, the like, game will actually, in a lot of those cases, will tell you to run. It'll be like, you're not ready for this yet. Just keep on trucking, buddy. Mm, disagree. Really? <laughs> I killed him. Oh, you killed I mean, him? They, I, mean, I mean, they told him, told me to do that, oh, but okay. I didn't. Like, I'm just I saying, anyway. like, you don't have to get caught fighting overpowered enemies if you don't want to. Was no, no, and they have, like, their level numbers next to yeah. them when they pop out. You know, you know exactly what you're going up against, but I was just like, I'm just going to try this anyway, because so far, the guys my level or one above have been really easy. And sure enough, I was, like, level three or four, and they were, like, six or seven. And it was just like, yeah, nothing. Them. Yep. Yeah, no it's, it's, it's unbalanced for sure. All right, let's move on. We're gonna At least it's unbalanced in our favor, though. That's true. <laughs> well, <laughs> some people like when it's unbalanced the other direction. Yeah. I mean, there is a hard difficulty mode. I'm playing on normal, but maybe, maybe the hard would be more balanced for someone who wants a real challenge. That actually segues perfectly into our next topic, which is a new Final Fantasy game that has been revealed via, via leaks over the last week. Uh, so you already yeah, know the that Final Fantasy leaks have started in earnest. They have already, yep. Um, you already know that Final Fantasy 16. Right now, we believe is at the very least a timed console exclusive on PlayStation mm -hmm. 5. Um, and we obviously got another timed console exclusive for PlayStation that like blew me out the back of the wall today. What, which the one? Virtua Fighter 5 thing? Oh, yeah. Virtua Fighter 5. I did not expect Virtua Fighter 5 to A, be back, B, have a new version, C, be free on PlayStation Plus. Well, it's not like, new, damn. it's a remake of. Five. But it but it's still like an update of five. Right. Yeah, like they went a, in and redone the graphics of five. in the Yakuza engine. They've redone yeah. the graphics. It looks great. Um in fact I thought I was gonna mention that off the top of the show and it totally slipped my mind, so I'm glad you brought that up. Mm -hmm. Um but the other big leak from this week, and that was even a leak, Sega put out the trailer for it. But yeah. the other big that, leak it leaked a little early. It leaked it, like it leaked the day before. Yeah. I think I think the leak forced Sega's hand on that a little yeah. bit. But. Put the trailer out. Which is great, because Virtua Fighter is like one of my favorite, probably my oh, favorite same. 3D fighting same. franchise. So I'm excited. Um, so you already know about Final Fantasy 16 being at least a time exclusive on PlayStation 5. You already know the story about the Final Fantasy 7 remake. A lot of people assumed that that was going to come to Xbox. Still hasn't. Uh, meanwhile, they're putting out like new DLC and updates to it that, you know, for a big PS5 update. Um, and now... A new game has been unveiled by... I want to make sure I get his name right. It's a guy who used to work at Kind of Funny. Um, his name is Imran Khan. Mm -hmm. um, he broke this story. Well, actually, I don't know if he broke it. There were rumblings the day before, and then he followed up and confirmed it um, on fanbyte.com. Again, I want to give credit to people who are breaking this stuff. Um, he provided the first sort of real details from the game. And apparently, it is a spin-off Final Fantasy game set around the same time as the original Final Fantasy for NES. Um, they're saying the title of it is called Final Fantasy Origin, but wasn't there already like a collection or something that um, was called that? Yeah, Final Fantasy Origins was the PS1 collection of the early games, as yeah. I recall. So it's weird that they would call it that, but that's what they're saying. Yeah, that was 25 years ago. Who yeah. remembers that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, well, I got it on a shelf over there somewhere. I just... <laughs> Um, and it's being co-developed by Team Ninja and the the, the city Team of Ninja's Final Ninja's very busy these days. Yes, and the, the city of Final Fantasy NT <laughs> team. Which, <Whoa>. yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah it's, I, mm, I saw that part, and I was mm. like, uh, I don't know if that's a good idea or Maybe not. Maybe keep that one to yourself there, boys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you can see on the lower third there, it says, like it's 1999, because Matt... 
does it not appear that Square Enix has recoiled back to its old business model of the mid to late 90s where its focus, for Final Fantasy at least, was about 100% on PlayStation platforms? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, like PlayStation owned Final Fantasy for a very long time. Um, I remember... Uh, uh, what was the what was the first one? It was thirteen was the first one that went multi platform, right? I on three sixty, because I remember um, there was a there was a thing uh, during E three. I walked through, uh, my, I had to go through the, the the area where Microsoft's theater was for the for the broadcast, and like through the through the door, I could hear no, the sound of the of the tests they were doing, and one of it was very obviously uh, Final Fantasy thirteen. Mm-hmm. And I went back out and I said to like people, I'm like, I think they're going to show Final Fantasy 13 at this Xbox thing. I just heard Final Fantasy and they're like, they were never going to do that. It's a PlayStation thing. I'm like, not. I'm pretty sure I just heard it unless they're just running PlayStation <laughs> trailers for their sound test. I'm pretty sure I just heard Final Fantasy in there. And they're like, that's not going to happen. I'm like, well, and then, of course, sure enough, there it was. I think somebody actually uh, broke that story based on the same thing. I think somebody else also saw or heard what you saw or mm-hmm. heard and then reported it, if I remember correctly. That sounds right. I mean, I wasn't paying attention because I was on this on the location. Yeah. But I, I do remember like saying like I think I did, and like no one believed me. Like yeah. <laughs> I was like, nah, it's not gonna happen. Well, now this but, new um, game is also reportedly a PlayStation Five exclusive. Yeah. And PC, they're saying it's coming to PC as well, which they also kind of said sense. about the remake. They also said that so, about Final Fantasy sixteen. So do you think this is like Sony paying for it, or do you think they're just being like Xbox is not a platform? where our audience is kind of thing. I think it's a mix of both. I think Sony's definitely money-hatting Square Enix in some way, but I also think that Square Enix just thinks it's a good idea for their brand. I think I think mm-hmm. Square Enix believes most of its fans are still on PlayStation, and I wouldn't argue against that. Yeah, I, think I, I feel like right. that's a pretty solid assumption. But I would also argue that they're foolish for doing this, that they would make more money on the game overall. Well, I don't know what Sony's paying them, so I can't say that definitively. But provided Sony is giving Square Enix around what I assume they are giving them for this for these projects, I still believe that releasing it multi-platform would be a better thing. And now here's the final caveat for this game so far, so far called Final Fantasy Origin, is that it's Dark Souls-ish, Neo-ish. Which would explain Team Ninja. Right. And that's why Team Ninja is involved, is because they want to make this game Dark Souls-ish, a little more difficult, although the report from Mr. Khan says that it is going to be nerfed a little bit. It's not going to be quite as hard as Neo or Dark Souls. Oh, I hope not. It, that would be suicide. I mean, that would yeah. be the dumbest thing that they could do. I mean, I think Neo is harder than Dark Souls. I agree. I totally agree. Um, without a doubt. Like, I can actually make some headway in Dark Souls. I just give up on Neo after, like, an hour. I'm like, forget this. Like, I don't have the time to spend this mm-hmm. long to get through one section of, like, a level against rank-and-file enemies. I just don't. Um, how do you feel about that, Matt? Being jumping in the the Souls subgenre for Final Fantasy, do you think it could be successful? Um, maybe. I mean, if you if you Souls light anything, you can probably still get some traction. I mean, Star Wars did it, so why not Final Fantasy? Um, Star Wars is way more mainstream, and that did fine. So this could also do fine. Um. I guess it kind of depends, like what you're spinning it off from. Like, is it a, is it new stuff that you're just calling Final Fantasy because the aesthetic's going to match? Is it going to be a spinoff of like 15 or well, they said it's set around the, the first the period of the first game for NES. 
which oh, would so it's like, the it's like a Warriors of Light subtitle. Thing. Okay, so it's like a Warriors of Light thing then. Mm-hmm. Okay, because um, one of the other early things I saw was like it was maybe a Dynasty Warriors kind of thing. No, like um, a Musou game. Yeah, um, which I guess would also kind of fit. Makes sense know. for well, team. Yeah, I guess Team Ninja does still do those. They do make them for Nintendo. Yeah. That would be because that setting would also kind of lend itself to co-op because there's usually you know there's four Warriors of Light. Yeah, uh, canonically in that yeah. in that because the first Final Fantasy is is canonically a legend in the worlds of all the other games. So like the Final Fantasy one never technically happened, quote unquote, but like everyone in a Final Fantasy game knows the the, the legend of the Warriors of Light. Like that's where all the crystal crap comes from. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like I could okay, like I could see that. Um. One, one thing I mean, that gives I me pause on these rumors is you know typically at least. Personally, I look at games like the Souls franchise and Neo as games that don't tell overt stories. You t- generally have to like mm-hmm. dig around in documents to undercover to uh, uncover the lore, and you have to do a lot of kind of investigating on your own to figure out what what story the game is trying to tell. That does not jive with me with Square Enix at all. No, but like, but like, um, you know, again, Fallen Order did it. Yeah, you know, and Fallen Order. Fallen Order has a lot of Metroid in it, in addition to the Dark Souls. But yeah. like, Fallen Order told a story. Like, you can do that. You know, there's no reason you have to be a slave to the format that Neo or Dark Souls follows in that regard. You can just do cutscenes. Square loves cutscenes. Now that you bring that um, up, that is a good template for them to follow. Fallen Order because mm-hmm. it still had a lot of elements of the Souls subgenre, but I could still play it and enjoy it. In fact, yeah, it uses the mechanics without like being punishing about it. Yeah. And I think that could be a good template for them to use for this game. I mean, I would certainly be looking very hard at that game if I were them in this situation. Um, it, 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 it translates pretty well. It's also a good example of taking the, the Souls elements and translating them into a uh, about as mainstream as an IP gets yeah. uh, and pulling it off, frankly. I mean, yeah. so we'll see. Uh, like I don't, I don't think it's a bad idea. I don't either. Um, no, Final Fantasy a needs a little, needs a little life. Uh, that you know, for certainly the Final Fantasy VII remake has has pushed um, even pushed even that further into the kind of the more action oriented combat. Um, so if you want to make a game that just like fully embraces the action idea, like sure, like that'll work. Um, I guess. Like I don't mean I, I I can't think of a good argument against it, especially if we're gonna have to wait years for sixteen. And years for seven remake part two. Like well, you know, I don't you know. They're well saying something. sixteen may be coming a lot sooner than people think. That it was in development I mean, a long time before they ever showed it the first time. Yeah, I mean that could that could mean a lot of things though. Like, yeah. uh, But uh, I, I mean, I do think we'll probably be playing sixteen before playing seven two. Yeah, um, I'd agree. That, with that wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't be surprised but, uh, if we're playing sixteen at the end of the year this year. That could be. Um, I would be a little surprised by that, but like. It, it does. It's beginning to feel like it's definitely in the next two years. By the end of next year, at the at the latest. Do you think it's weird that Square Enix is kind of going back to like the way the industry was twenty years ago? Not really. I mean, I think that's just the way we're going right now. Like the the two, you know, Xbox and PlayStation are starting to pay for exclusives again. Um, apparently, you know, for a long time that wasn't really a thing. You know, I mean, publishers stopped allowing it honestly because they felt yeah. like they'd make more money if more their money games were multi-platform. But I think now you're seeing the the platform holders are finally starting to cough up enough money to counteract that conventional wisdom. 
Um, and I think Sony's reacting to what Microsoft is doing by buying all these these companies and you know offering these big Game Pass payouts. Um, do you think it has anything to do with Game Pass? I think it's an, a factor. I don't think it's the primary motivator. I think yeah. it's, it's more of a, a big picture thing. But Game Pass is definitely part of that picture. I mean, these publishers are seeing that packaged games are not selling on Xbox anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I I am agree. I agree with you. Like I think that's too recent of a phenomenon to impact a project like this so early. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be surprised if stuff like that starts to impact it on down the road. I mean, if all you're going to make on a game is whatever Microsoft mm-hmm. decides to give you for putting it on Game Pass, that's... I don't or even know. if they're if they're offering like you know uh, Epic Game Store level money, like you could be going back to Sony and being like, well, if we go with Microsoft, they're just going to pay us this much money. Yeah. And on your platform, we have to hope it sells that much. Yeah. So what are you going to do for us, kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, it could give them a bargaining chip, but I don't th- I don't see in any way how it's. That's helpful. probably not what's happening with Final Fantasy. Yeah. Um. I just struggle to see how it's going to be helpful at all to Xbox. Like they're just gonna sure publishers will use them as leverage to get a better deal out of Sony, but at the end of the day, they're know. still making the deal with Sony. <laughs> right. I don't. But I mean, I th- I think we kind of been over that before. Where I could clearly Microsoft has an end game in there. We just don't know what it is. Yeah. Uh, they want you in the ecosystem. So far, it feels like the e- like you're not doing the ecosystem many favors by being in it right now. But like, who knows what their you know economy of scale is going to be? Uh, the response from Sony seems to be to you know money hats and stuff they think is going to make their platform look better and uh final fantasy has definitely been one of those things so far um and it seems to have paid off for them with seven so why not continue with this spinoff it's crazy like there's worse things than to be you know and sony knows this firsthand there are worse things than to be considered the platform you have to go to to play final fantasy yeah i mean i just feel like the playstation 5 is turning into that for a lot of stuff um I mean, I get Microsoft just spent a ton on Bethesda. We know Bethesda's track record as far as getting stuff out into the marketplace. Mm-hmm. It's very slow. It delays stuff a lot. Um, it tends to re-release games like five times before it puts out a new one. Um, I don't know if that's the type of asset you need to compete with what's going on at PlayStation right now. I well, just... PlayStation, I mean, on the flip side, I would say that Final Fantasy is not the juggernaut it once was. Yeah. Definitely not. Um, for sure. So it's not like they're, you know, whereas, you know, when we get to the point years from now, when if you want to play the new Elder Scrolls, you need to have an Xbox account. Like, that's a big deal. Um, certainly the maybe the biggest exclusive deal of the generation. Yeah. Um, because, you know, people can talk about how they're over the Elder Scrolls thing or Bethesda makes janky crap or as much as they want, but Skyrim is a goddamn monolith. And yeah. there are people who have bought that thing four times over. Like, that is, other than GTA, you are talking about one of the most constantly rebought games around. And, you know, 10 years old this year. Yeah. You know, it's been a decade. And uh, I think the thirst for a new one is going to be overwhelming. So, uh, and I think they're going to, they're going to, if not sell a lot of Xboxes, because obviously you can play it on PC or they're at least going to get a lot of people signing up for Xbox accounts yeah, to which play is that thing. Apparently Microsoft's apparently what they want yeah. more than anything else. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And if you're like, if you're Bethesda, who cares? You know, you're right. You're yeah, owned Bethesda's... by Microsoft. It does no skin off your ass. If <laughs> they yeah, could just put it up on game pass. So they're done. They're, they're doing what they're about to do. Yep. Did you see the rumors this week that uh, Tom Cruise stars in Starfield? I did see that. 
Um, <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> that would be kind of amazing. Um, <laughs> like, I, I don't know what to think about that, but I'm also it kind of like, like in the wake of what happened with Keanu and cyberpunk, like it kind of fits, yeah. like it kind of feels like an idea someone would have had yep. in response to that where it's like, if we can bring Tom Cruise up at E3, like imagine that, you Maybe know, that's why like, Starfield isn't coming out until 2022 because they want to have their Tom Cruise moment at a real E3 before it's released. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I'm I mean, completely joking by the way, but <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, if they talk, they, apparently it is going to be at E3 this year. So maybe we get Tom Cruise this year. Yeah, in some kind of pre-taped whatever. Mm-hmm. If he can get his head out of his own ass long enough to go do it. <laughs> I mean, that dude, that dude can promote like nobody else. Like he's, he can. Uh, yeah, there's no denying it, for sure. Like Almost he, everything he touches he turns would, to gold. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in terms of like, you know, the COVID or whatever, how we're doing this right now. But like, if, if it was like next year, like he absolutely would be there on stage in person. Yeah. Like, no problem. Like, I would he would, believe that. And he would be more, he would, you know, he'd just do his Oprah on the couch excitement thing. And, and we'd <laughs> Go be on his able, way. Able show up in his, 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 um, uh, his oblivion space suit. And uh, <laughs> yeah. he could even make that joke because he was, what was that? He was in Oblivion. It was that, that sci-fi movie, right? So yeah. he could go and say, he's like, I was in a different Oblivion. You know, these guys know Oblivion. There's another <laughs> series though. I'm in a Starfield. But maybe I'll be in Elder Scrolls 6. You don't know. Yeah. Like they were used guys. Yeah. If he has a good time, he might come back for Elder Scrolls Six. You don't know, Tom Cruise in Elder Scrolls Six. Let's do it. Yep. Uh, a couple of final notes before we move they on. They can afford him. Um there's supposedly, reportedly, a public alpha coming for Final Fantasy Origins. They said it's gonna be and it's this summer. And they're saying hmm. it's gonna be called Stranger in Paradise. I don't know why they would do that. Rename it just for the the alpha. I don't know. But sure, again, why not? public. Um, and then so another, that would indicate they were probably it's probably coming out holiday this year. Yeah, and another final note is that in all this reporting, it was also announced that uh, there is an IDOS game that coming that is multi-platform that will also be shown at E3 for the first time. My mm-hmm. guess is another Tomb Raider game. <laughs> Call me <IDOS>? crazy. <laughs> what yeah. does IDOS do now? I mean. Same stuff they've been doing. Whatever they tell them to do, basically. That seems to be how those studios work. They're like, now it's your turn to do a Tomb Raider game. Get at it. Like, <laughs> I don't know. And I would definitely not give them Tomb Raider again. Yeah. But anyway, IDOS. Yeah, I know, I know Crystal Dynamics is probably busy, but. Yeah. But uh, so a couple big things coming from Square Enix from E3. We don't have to wait much longer to find out. Obviously, we'll probably get a huge like gameplay blowout of Final Fantasy 16 as well. At least I'm hoping that's the case. But the really the big story here is all that stuff is going exclusively to PlayStation, except for the IDOS game. Like all the Final Fantasy stuff has nestled back in its old home uh, with PlayStation at this point, or PC. So either get a PS5 yeah. or I mean, I get, a rig. I guess IDOS Montreal. Last thing they did was Mankind Divided. Everything else was an assist yep. to to Crystal Dynamics. So maybe it is time for them to have a new game. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, would you let IDOS launch a new IP at this point? I probably wouldn't. <laughs> IDOS Montreal? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I would, I would prefer that they would uh, work on a Tomb Raider, something that they at least know a little bit instead of working on a new IP. But we shall see. That is the magic and the wonder of E3. Well, they, I mean, they've killed Deus Ex, so they, yeah. I mean, it's either that or a thief. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much cash that has left in. in wouldn't think so. Yeah. They so we'll just see. got off Won't doing Avengers, so I, yeah, I don't know. It could be anything. Yep. Um, two or three weeks, we'll find out. Uh, but if you're an Xbox 
series owner right now, you're probably feeling a little salty, I would say. Because you're mm-hmm. like, okay, I got Bethesda, but when am I going to play that stuff? And, like, what's up with Hellblade 2? And is Halo Infinite going to be good? Like, Avowed looks cool, I wouldn't, I'm but... not feeling too salty about theoretical Final Fantasy games on another platform. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, you don't. You you haven't liked the last couple of Final Fantasy games at all, so... I, uh, I haven't where... liked the Final Fantasy games since 12, right. so no. Uh, it's, I like every sixth one. Um, <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to 18. Okay. <laughs> That'll be in 2030, I love six, I'm and I love 12, and I think 18 is going to be great. <laughs> Book it. <laughs> Book 18. Yep. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Metopia. Um, Matt, did you play this at all by any chance? No. Did you even in- investigate it by any chance? I mean, I know what it is. Yeah, but um, I'm saying, did you investigate buying it for Switch? Because it was just redone and re-released for Switch. No. Okay. I just thought I didn't maybe... Actually realize it, I didn't realize it came out this week until like I saw like some news stories on it. Okay. I thought you may have investigated it and then realized that it's fifty dollars and said that was also part of the and problem. And said f yes. that. that. Was that was part of it? I mean, I did look at it in the store when I was buying uh, whatever the last thing I got on Switch was. What was the last thing on Switch? Pokemon Snap. Yeah, when I looked at Pokemon, so I was like, "What else is coming?" I saw that. I'm like, "Oh, fifty bucks for that? Let's not do that." Yeah, I have a I mean, I know it's you. not exactly the same as like uh, the thing on the 3DS, but like that was free. I have a question for you, actually. I cannot remember, and I tried to research it, and I could not find the answer. Was Metopia free on 3DS? Um, I have well, this it wasn't, thing it wasn't in the back of my Metopia. brain that it was for some reason. I mean, it wasn't called Metopia. It was just like the, 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 the it was just like the, the what you call it, the, um, it, it was like an RPG was a part of that other like free thing that you could download. Right? Yeah, yeah, you could. It was an add-on to like the 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 Street Pass things. Like Metopia for for 3DS Me was Pass like a thing, or whatever it was a extra thing you could get. But you could still play like the basic RPG thing and like the stuff like that like for free. Like you don't have to pay for that. And, this and then is, it was like you could get the Metopia, you get Metopia and you could get like a slot car race thing. Yeah, that's right. And like a bunch of stuff like that for like 5 bucks or something. Well, I don't remember what if Metopia cost more at the time. Vincent um, says you're talking about Find Me and he's right. Find Me, that's what yeah. it was. Yeah. They're very similar. That's <laughs> what I'm getting at. So Find Me, you could walk around with the Me Pass or whatever. Like we go to E3 and I just my collection of Mies would just explode. And then you could play this little, simple RPG with all the Mies that you had stored on your 3DS. That's what Metopia is. It is a very simple turn-based RPG that I would argue is 99% dependent on what Mies you have loaded onto your Switch. And mm. one thing I realized very quickly is that even back when I got my Switch, I was like, ooh, I need to remember to, like, upload all my Miis from my 3DS or from my Wii U onto my Switch. And as soon as I booted this up, I realized that I had not done that. (laughs) The (laughs) only me I had in my Switch was me. Um, And so when you first start this game, let me just get the B-roll rolling here so you guys can get a good look at what it looks like. Um, When you first start the game, obviously you're the main character in the game. You're me. You could take that a couple different ways. You're me, not Mm -hmm. apostrophe (laughs) R-E. Your Me is the the star of the game, and essentially the plot is there is this dark lord who is stealing all the faces of the Mies, and it's, it's so absurd. 
And it's your job to get their faces back. That's the whole objective of the game. Uh, when it first starts, you are prompted to upload any Miis that you have into the game from your Switch. And if you don't do that, you can go to your friends list and you can bring in any of their Miis if they've allowed their Miis to be uploaded. A lot of people don't on my friends list. Only like three out of all my friends that actually allowed their Mii to be downloaded. And then once you start the game, your party is built from a bunch of random Miis that the game just gives you. And then, and the crazy part is you like set up your whole party with those Miis and five minutes later, all those Miis are gone and you have to get more. But... At that point, you can then start pulling in Miis from the popular tab on Nintendo Online. And Miitopia on 3DS is 40 bucks. Okay. So they did release it as a full product for 3DS then. Um, yeah. And this is 50 uh, And so once you get those other Miis, or you start looking through those other Miis, that's where you can start finding, like, the celebrities and, like, the pop culture icons and all the Nintendo characters. Like, they're are just hundreds and hundreds of Miis to choose from to bring into the game. And that is really the charm of Miitopia. It tells a very simple story, as I said, and the moments in the game are very silly and stupid, but when you have, like, Will Smith and, like, Homer Simpson acting it out, it gives this... I don't even know how to describe the feeling that it, it gives you. It's, it's satirical, for sure, but it's like unpredictable because you don't know what the cutscene is going to be about until it happens. And you don't, in a lot of cases, you don't know what face is going to appear on what character until it starts happening. So it starts pulling in all these random me faces into the cinematics and the cutscenes and the brief story moments. And it really provides some genuine moments where I laughed like out loud. And that doesn't happen to me with video games very often. But. Ultimately, you do have to play the game as well, and that's where Miitopia, I think for most people who are well-versed in turn-based RPGs, will feel like the game comes up short. Um, the game is very simple. It's basically just a side-scrolling game. You don't even have control over, once you're inside an area, you don't even have control over movement. Your character just walks along with the party, and then a random battle will pop up, and you have to take on the turn-based battle at that point. You, the party members in your team are also... Um, on autopilot. You cannot control what they do at all. All you can do is assign a personality to each one of them, and that will make them more likely or less likely to do certain things. Like my my character is a chef, and the reason I did that is because that's how you create health. So I figured if I'm a chef, I'll probably be able to whip up dishes that I can give to my party members and heal them mid-battle. And as it turns out, that was exactly the case. And by the way, I do recommend that everyone plays as the chef because you get free health mid-battle, which can be huge in any turn-based RPG. So you have a loose idea of what they might do in certain situations, but you cannot directly control them um, like you can in pretty much mo every RPG at this point. They're on autopilot. Um, as you, there's like a Super Mario, like a 2D Mario like style map that you navigate and like a new point will open up and you just walk to that new point. And then once you're in that level, you don't have control over the movement at all. You walk along, you get a battle, you win the battle, you walk to a next one. Eventually you will get to an inn. And the inn is where you have a little bit more control over the characters and the party. Because once you get to an inn to rest, you decide which room the people are going to stay in. And if you put two characters in the same room together to spend the night, 
their affinity grows. And that will increase or affect how much they help you inside battle. Um, it also helps you with like team up attacks and things like that. So that's another way you can kind of indirectly affect how your party participates in battle, but it was still not having direct control over it, um, which, again, I think will drive a lot of people crazy who really love um, turn-based RPGs. The me creation tool in the game, still basically the same, but they've added a couple different features. There's like a makeup feature, and there's a wig feature. You saw that earlier in the B-roll. I had like a woman, woman's wig on or whatever on my me. Um, but for the most part, the game has pretty much stayed the same. They have upgraded the visuals, obviously. Now they're HD. Uh, and so they've redone all the character models and all the texturing and things like that. As you can see in the B-roll, still doesn't look great. It's uh, very crude and basic, which, again, for a $50 game, I found that a little bit of a hard sell. Um, but, again... You kind of, like, you kind of hampered by what the Miis are there, I think. Yeah. To some degree. You can only sure. look as good as the Mies can look, and you make yep. those too complicated, and you you break the system. So yeah, I mean, I get it. And then if you make the the world look really detailed, then the Mies stand out like a sore right. thumb because and the Mies still have like they have appendages, but like their hands are just balls and their feet are just balls. Um, so they do follow that kind of me aesthetic. Um, also, you can build your affinity with other characters by just fighting with them naturally. If you guys win a battle, like there's a little heart meter, and it'll show you every time you finish a battle that you're coming so much closer to creating mm-hmm. that next level of affinity, of affinity with your characters. Um, one thing I do like about this game that I feel like other turn-based RPGs would do well to replicate is that you can attach cosmetic items to your character that that change the stats of your character. But you can choose it to not change the look of your character. So you can attach a buff without having to wear, like, a goofy hat or without having to wear, like, some weird pair of pants or whatever. Um, And I like that. I feel like a lot more games should do that. Um, The other thing that you do while you're at the inn is you can cook food. um, And those give you permanent stat increases. And... um, well, there's one other thing you can do there. You can cook food, you can sleep, but there's one... I can't remember what the other thing was. Um, the big problem with the game, really, though, is that it just gets monotonous. The battles are so simple. You have, essentially, like, one or two attack commands. In most cases, it's just one attack command. And because I'm the chef, my character whacks him with the frying pan, which was really funny for the first, like, 20 times I saw it. And then you have, like, one or two magic spells. And... Like, my, you you gain those as you play throughout the game. Some of them will give your characters health. Some of them will give them buffs. Some of them are actual attacks that will attack the enemies. But again, if it's someone in your party, you cannot control when they use an attack or when they decide to use magic or do anything else. It's just all kind of left in the hands of fate. Um, and so the game gets monotonous very quickly. The battles get monotonous very quickly. There's not a lot of visual flash to the battles at all. Um, it's the same frying pan attack every time. The only thing that's different is who you're whacking with the frying pan, which, again, if you've uploaded, uploaded some fun me's into the game, it can add a lot to it. Um, but for the most part, the battles get stale really quickly. You can speed them up, which is nice, um, but it doesn't change the fact that you're just doing the same thing over and over, and there's not a whole lot of strategy involved. I think, really, your enjoyment of this game is going to be directly proportional to how much you like the concept of Miis in general. If you played other games where the Miis come in, like Wii Sports or whatever, 
And you got a nice charge out of that seeing like Barack Obama do whatever or any pop culture icon just doing stuff you wouldn't normally see them do. If that has resonated with you in the past, you're probably going to love this game because it really takes that and kind of squeezes everything out of it that it can. It's just very random and very wacky, um, and it will catch you off guard a lot of times. And so there's a lot of value in that, but there's not $50 worth of value in that, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, with Nintendo, you very rarely get discounts on first-party stuff. I have a feeling this might be one where you do, though, to be perfectly honest with you. I'll be surprised if this sells really well at 50 bucks. is what I'm getting at. And so maybe there will sort of end up being a, uh, a price cut on it. Um, I mean, it apparently worked. it sold well enough at 40 bucks that they're still charging that in the Nintendo store. That's so. pretty crazy that that game is that old on 3DS. They're still charging 40 bucks. Yeah, it came, that was 2017, I think. Yeah, I think it launched in December of 2016. In Japan, yeah. In Japan, and then in the U.S. it was very early in the year, uh, mm-hmm. in 2017. So it's been four years now, and they're still charging 40 bucks for the 3DS version. So maybe I am really just whistling in the wind on that one. Uh, the game also works with Amiibo, so if you have a bunch of Amiibo lying around, it unlocks like Nintendo costume parts that you can use to customize your character. Um, and I'll say this too, it's a good handheld game. Obviously, it started life on the 3DS, and so if you play your Switch mostly in handheld mode, this is a good game for it. There's not a bunch of small text, um, and it's very simple, uh, so you don't really need to play it on a big screen to get the most out of it. You're not going to be hindered when you play it in handheld mode. So in that way, maybe some more people will pick it up, be like, oh, this is a game that I can play when I'm out and about, and it's simple, and I can turn it off. It's turn-based, so you can just put the Switch in sleep mode and come right back and pick it up mid-battle if you want to. Uh, So it does work well in that way, and you know, considering 50% of people seem to use Switch in handheld mode more than docked mode, uh, it makes sense to maybe release more games like this. But Matt, I think what strikes me the, the most about this is why... Of all the games Nintendo could remake or remaster for Switch, why would it choose this one? It just, I don't know. There's so many. Because it's easy. Yeah. And because there's not a whole lot to do with the Miis on the Switch. Yeah, it has been kind of abandoned on Switch. That's a good point. Like, I, I don't feel like they've been used the way that they were used on Nintendo's prior consoles. Like, obviously, Mm -hmm. they still work in Mario Kart 8. Um, and some of the bigger games, but it isn't being pushed as hard. Yeah, I mean, they're still there, but I, I tend to forget I have one. Like I and said, like I only said, had like, one. Yeah, Me. and like you said, like I, uh, you know, almost uh, everyone on my friends list does not share their me. So, you know, it's not, it's, and it's not just not part of the, it's just not part of the landscape. Like on the Wii where you started it up and all the, all your friends' me's were sitting there on the, you know, on the plaza yeah. or whatever. Um, like it just wasn't, uh, it's not as integrated into the experience of the system day to day as it was on the other two, the previous two, which like, I don't, I'm not complaining about that. Like, I'm fine. If you don't, if you want to make it, let's yeah, I don't, I don't miss the avatars on Xbox either. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, Nintendo does seem to still consider the, the Miis to be a viable element of the brand. Um, so I guess they're just sort of trying to remember, remind us that they're there. Yeah. And it also, did, it's like a, but... it's an easy way to squeeze fifty bucks out of more people. I guess <laughs> I don't know. Like, I mean, it really just reminded me that they haven't utilized them as much as they have over the last couple mm-hmm. generations. In all honesty, I was like, oh yeah, these things. Like, yeah, they're fifteen years old this year. I mean, the fact that I've owned my Switch for this long 
and I've never felt the want or the need mm-hmm. to go download a bunch of Mii's. Like, that was yeah. part of the fun of owning a Wii, was going onto the marketplace, the plaza, and mm-hmm. finding the cool Mii's, and then saving it to your Wii remote and bringing it into work or whatever and letting people grab the Mii's off your Wii remote. Like, it, it was a thing. Like, just mm-hmm. the Find Me with the 3DS, it Mies were huge on 3DS. It just feels like it's completely fallen off. I think that's a mistake. I really like the whole concept of it. I think this game proves that there's more they could do with them, but I think it also proves that they that maybe for its next system, they need to finally update sort of the visual look of the Mies yeah, so that they can a, work. It's been a long time. Yeah. I mean, they, you brought up a great point. They just don't work for visually complex games. They stand. Mm-hmm. They would stand out. So you have to make every game that they're in look very simple. And I think that's yeah, going to hold. Uh, I mean, if you were ten when the meet when the Mies started, you're 25 now. Wow, so. that that's a mind blower right there. Yeah. <laughs> How about this one? Today is uh, today is uh, 44 years ago. Today, Star Wars came out. That's uh, which makes Star Wars uh, or makes uh, Phantom Menace was 22 years ago this month. So Phantom Menace is now as old as Star Wars was when Phantom Menace came out. Wow. Um, and let me hit you with this one: <laughs> Star Wars, the original Star Wars, is now as old as King Kong was when Star Wars came out. Wow. 44 years from 1933 to 1977. Wow. That's pretty mind-blowing, man. Time will eat us all. (laughs) Absolutely. It feels like it's eaten me. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Um, But anyway, that's Metopia. There's really... Here's the thing. There's not that much else to say about it. It's like... It's a very so. Is it game. is it completely identical? I don't know a whole lot about the 3ds one. Is it identical to that one? Pretty much. Or is it new? Is there new stuff in it? No, I mean for the most part, the game itself is identical. They have added the new um, stuff like the wigs and the makeup, so you can have a little more flexibility in how you create me's. But otherwise, it's the same game, and you know it obviously looks better and has you know the models have been rebuilt. It has new textures and things like that. It looks way better mm-hmm. than the 3ds version did. But otherwise, it's pretty much a straight port. Um, And it is a very, very repetitive turn-based RPG with very few features and very little control over what happens in combat. So it's hard for me to recommend it to most people unless you were like me and you were pretty obsessed with Miis when they first came out. And there were a lot of people like that, let's be honest. Taking your 3DS around E3 was a thing back then. Oh, yeah. Because everybody was in on it. Everybody had it set up so that you could grab their Mi and... You know, mm-hmm. as they walk past. Oh, everywhere. I, t- I took my 3DS everywhere I went when I traveled, specifically to get, like, just going through airports in Europe and picking up every country in Europe somewhere. It's like, oh, I got something from Belgium. Like, it was, it was like, it was a lot of fun. Well, that like, was, it was part it was of a, it was like, right? Wasn't it filling out, like, getting one from every country? Wasn't that a thing? Or it was from yeah, every it, state? Yeah, it would mark every state and every yeah. country you got someone from and, like, it was cool. And then like you unlocked, was, yeah. like, those wallpapers or whatever. Yeah, you unlocked <laughs> the, the panels for the puzzles. <laughs> yeah. And like all, yeah. It was it was it all worked really well. It was a good reason to take your 3DS places. Which I took meant it everywhere. I, I would take it to, I like, the movie me, theater with me. Which meant I was probably going to play something, which meant I was probably going to buy more games to play yeah. while I was out there getting me's. And it was a brilliant uh, user feedback system to sell more games to me. It was it was a good thing. I would take it everywhere. Uh, I'd take it to the yeah. movies with me. I'd take it to the mall with me. When I traveled home over the holidays, I tra- and it was yeah. crazy how. And let's not forget the 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 DS and the 3DS uh, fit in your damn pocket. Yeah. Unlike the Switch, 
and fold it up so you were protecting the screen when it was in your yeah. pocket. Like it was it was useful for that. Like I'm not asking for street pass on the switch. I would never use it. Because I'm not going to drag that thing around with me all the yeah, time. You have to have big-ass pocket. You have to have some Jenko <laughs> jeans to fit the switch in the pocket. <laughs> the old-school raver and skater jeans that were big yeah. in, like, the late Yeah, 80s. you're going to need some Junkos for this sucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was awesome. And then, like, every once in a while, you'd be completely shocked at where you picked up, like, a new me. Yeah. Like, or, like, sometimes when it's like, oh, I got some weird – some guy who's me doesn't even speak English. Right. And I'm like – Oh, we've met each other twice before. And it's like, what? Yeah. How did we... And like one guy, I remember I got one guy who was like, um, I think it was some French guy and he had a weird, I reckon, remember him because he had a weird hat. And I got him, I got him on the way to Sweden. And then two days later, I got him again in the airport in Amsterdam. Like we, apparently yeah. we were That's both crazy. taking short flights yeah. back and back through Amsterdam there and there and back again. And I got him a second time. I was like, That's, or maybe he worked there. I don't know. Um, but, uh, that was, I always liked that. That was a cool element of that. Well, it's like at E3, I think it was the second day of E3 afterwards, there was always this big Nintendo thing that was only Mm -hmm. like VIPs, people who had dealt with Nintendo for a long time or people who were working on Nintendo fan sites were invited to. And it was always like, so they'd show Breath of the Wild in their press conference, but we'd go to this like private exclusive thing where they'd play it in front of you and Miyamoto would do a Q&A about it. And so I would take my 3DS into that thing, and it was just a bonanza. Literally, mm-hmm. you just got every NOJ employee's me. I still have a Wada's me on my 3DS. I have 3DS. a Wada's. I have a Wada and Reggie and... Well, like, people made the... those eventually that anyone could download. I got his legit right. me from him being Probably in the I, room. I, yeah, I got I got them from passes. I didn't download me. I forgot you could actually do that. Yeah, you could. Um, but you'd stand, you'd stand in a hallway at E3. And pick and up so many people. Just to yeah. everybody. And, like, it wouldn't stop. Like, it would just... By the time you got the ne- the, first, the round of 10 people in through the Find Me thing, you'd have another 10 waiting at the gate. Yeah. Um, it was a good time. Yeah, I loved yeah. it. It was fun, man. It was like a little scavenger hunt that you were always yeah. on. Like, if they've lost that. And that's one thing with the Switch being as huge as it is, like, mm-hmm. it could build some, up steam again. And, like, sometimes at the party, like, later that night, I'd be like, I got your me standing in the hallway the, uh, earlier today. You didn't even say hi. You walked right past me. I see how it is. That's funny. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's Metopia. Um, it is $50 on Switch. I would not recommend anyone spend $50 on this. <laughs> it is, like, especially with, like, Mass Effect Leg- Legendary mm-hmm. Edition just coming out. Like, three amazing RPGs in one package for, like, $10 more. It's very hard for me to recommend Metopia. Uh, but at the same time, you know, if people are just Switch owners, they go through a little bit of a dry spell here. You know, Pokemon Snap didn't last all that long, and I'm sure everybody mm-hmm. who bought it is completely through that game at this point. Um, so if you're looking for something to maybe pick up after that, maybe. Uh, but I feel like I've set your expectations accurately at this point. You know what to expect from it. Um, and it's definitely not deep turn-based combat. Mm-hmm. What is the next big Switch game? Do we know? Uh, well, Mario Golf is coming pretty soon. Mario Golf, that's right. So that seems to be the next kind of big-ish one. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll see if we get any surprises at E3 here in a couple weeks. Um, we could get maybe a surprise launch of something maybe. Not counting on uh, it. Probably not. Yeah, <laughs> not counting on it. It's possible. Um, but, yeah, I think as of right now, Mario Golf is kind of the next big Switch. No, nah, it makes like they, they do like to do a Mario sports game in the summer. That's true. Yep. Where the hell is Golf Story 2? 
whatever that is, sports story. Those games seem now. to take longer to develop than you think. They I need, guess. You would think after the first one, they would like hire some folks to <laughs> build the game more quickly um, because they're supposed to come out this year, right? I had it on my, my fantasy team last year, I think. Yeah. And then it was definitely coming this year, and we haven't heard anything about it. Nothing. So, I haven't heard anything. Yeah. It's strange how it's, some of those indie teams just take it's forever. Off in a, it's an off in a bunker with Bayonetta 2, Bayonetta 3 <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. With Metroid Prime 4. They're hanging out with Samus Prime somewhere. Metroid Prime 4 and a Shin Megami Tensei game we yes. saw before the Switch was even <laughs> released. That game should be coming this year, too, though. Like they I did, would think so. They did yeah. finally show it again not that long ago. So yeah. There should be good stuff coming for Switch in the not-too-distant future. But, yeah, it's been a little bit of a dry run here over the last handful of months. So if you're really desperate... Maybe you buy Metopia, but even then, I would say no. Don't do it. It's just what you're getting for what they're asking. Like, that's another game that should, that game should be twenty bucks max, like fifty dollars. Yeah, that's a for ridiculous that. price that's for ab- what that is. Absurd. Like especially I, this far on. Yeah. You know, like it's that old of a game. It was so easy to port and remake mm-hmm. for Switch. And I roll my eyes when I say remake because. It only needed remade because it's a 3DS game, and you know the rendering resolution of 3DS. What was that actually? It wasn't even like 480p. Remember. It was like something minuscule. No, it was lower. It didn't need to be that really because yeah, the was... screen was so small or whatever. And the but... touchscreen was lower resolution, as I remember. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's Metopia for Switch. Um, we're actually going to kind of stay with Nintendo here for a second. Um, this game is not a Nintendo exclusive, but it is. I guess what we could say at this point, the closest thing to a Pikmin ripoff um, that we've had yet. Not many, Matt, why do you think not many developers have tried to emulate Pikmin? Do you think it's because they think it's just not a great idea? Do you think they think it's too complicated? Um, I think it's because it just wasn't that much of a hit. Like it was it was very much what it was. And um, I feel like if you em- try to emulate what made Pikmin charming, you're pretty much in C and D territory. Mm. Like, I don't know how you translate that to something else. Well, you're about to find out. (laughs) Well, I'm not because I can't see it. Well, you can't see it, but uh, (laughs) uh, we had Vincent check out a game this week called the wild at heart. And it is a, it's a 2d take on Pikmin gameplay with an art style. That's not all that dissimilar to where the wild things are. Um, I was also curious. I haven't played it. Only Vincent played it. I was also curious how they would handle this in 2D. Uh, but based on my conversation with him, they handled it pretty well. Yeah, well, wasn't there wasn't there a 2D Pikmin? Was there, there a 3DS Pikmin or handheld? something? Yeah, it was a handheld Pikmin, I thought. I never played it. I don't know, actually. I don't remember that for some reason. There is, there's a Pikmin. It was like Pikmin something. It was a weird subtitle. Now that you mention it, I am seeing like these fuzzy images in my head mm-hmm. of a 2D Pikmin for some reason. And I think it was on 3DS, actually, now that I think yeah, about it. Yeah, it was definitely something. Hey, Pikmin. Hey, Pikmin. That's right. Vince, yep, Vince. That's what it was. Yeah. So here's a 2D knockoff of Pikmin <laughs> with a different art style and a completely different story. Vincent checked it out for us. Let's get his report. All right, here we are with Vincent Borchardt to talk about The Wild at Heart. We don't cover a ton of indie games 
here on Game Face, but this is one that really caught my eye when it was announced, and I wished that I had time to play it. I did not, because there are so many other games to handle this week, but luckily Vincent jumped on the game. Vincent, I described this game when I curated the debut trailer as where the wild things are crossed with Pikmin. Is, did that end up being accurate? Is that what the game's like? Yeah, I'd say that's how it's like. But if you want a more gameplay sense, it's Pikmin, but more of an action-adventure than a strategy game. Okay, so you're not... Do you have to corral, like, groups of your soldiers and then instruct them and things like... It's not like a real-time strategy type thing like Pikmin? You're still gathering the spritelings and having them do things, but you're not trying to, like, manage multiple groups doing things at the same time. Ah, that's a big difference. Uh, what's yeah. the plot behind this game? The the art style, I love it. It's really interesting. So you're you play Wake. You're a twelve year old kid who's running away from home because your father neglects you and your mother is, is MIA right, for whatever reason. Okay. And then when you're running away from home, you get lost in the woods and you end up in this magical place in the the deep woods mm -hmm. and you meet up with this these group of like. How do I describe them? Like, just people trying to save the forest, but because there's they've got a like a mystical, like god who protects the forest from the evil things called the Never. So do you get wrapped up in their in their battle against the Never, and are they like, if you help us, we'll return you home? Is it one of those deals? I think it's more like they kind of recruit you because you have the magical ability to see the Spritelings, uh, the little Pikmin-like creatures. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the Spritelings, or the Pikmin, um, are there different types of them, and do they do different things? How does that all work? Yeah, so far I've found three different types, and it looks like there's going to be five. So the three I've found so far are, like, the default, like, the ones that look more like grass, and they, like, they can activate special special plants and they can they don't get poisoned from the poisonous mushrooms then there's a fire one that withstands heat really well and can also burn up brambles then there's an ice one that's fragile but it can doesn't get frozen and it can also be cloned in special places hmm for interesting puzzles okay um so to me one of the big parts of pikmin that i enjoyed was the multitasking having a group over at one branch of the path doing one thing while you're fighting maybe somewhere else. And then ultimately you're kind of collecting this junk. What is the objective of this game? Is it just to destroy all the enemies or is there some other objectives that you're kind of focused on? So, so far it's a couple parts. First year at the beginning, you're just trying to go to the like main camp of the green shields and, and like try to meet up with them, figure out why you're here. Mm -hmm. Then you have to like, find all the other members who were lost and trying to recover their certain artifacts that they're trying to do. But of course, none of them do. So it's up to you to do that. <laughs> and that's the part where I am right now trying to recover those. Okay. What's the gameplay loop? Is it you get a cut scene and then you play through the mission, you get another cut scene. Um, how does it's that lot, work? It's more of an open world where you just try and do things. You just explore the woods and try to find new places and do things. You find you've got goals you're trying to get to, like the main green shield guy will mark, like, here's where these people are. Go find them. And that's most of the instruction you get. Huh. Yeah. How does the gameplay work? Because that was that's really one of the charms of Pikmin is that they managed to make 
a real-time strategy game work on a console controller. Now, some would argue it's not perfect. Throwing the Pikmin can feel a little haphazard at times. How do they handle the controls in the gameplay? Pretty much the same. You throw Pikmin, and then you call them back using, I guess it's your vacuum instead of a whistle, but still. And then once you toss them, they just go to it. You don't have to instruct them in any way on what to do. In general, like if you throw them in the area, they'll generally go do what you want them to do. Like if you throw them on something you want them to carry, they'll carry it. If something, if you throw them near an enemy, they'll do it. Though it seems like the range is a lot pickier than in Pikmin. Like if you if you're throwing it right next to it and they bounce off of it, they'll often bounce so far away they don't actually go and start carrying it. Oh, okay. So yeah. you have to be a little more accurate with your throws. Yeah, but in general, the spritelings are a lot just a lot stupider like one thing i was puzzle i was doing like right before i started this is we have a simple puzzle we have a bridge an incomplete bridge then with and then the two sections are inhabited by an area that where the if the spritelings go into it they die simple okay. enough so oh, one other thing is that you'll eventually a little bit into the game you you do find the your friend who who's running away with you so there are two not two players, but two characters who both do slightly different things. You can split up and do things a little. Okay. But, yeah, so I was trying to... So first I go, let's just throw the Spritelings over to the other side, and then they should wait there, right? Mm -hmm. No. they. You throw them, they go confused for a second, and then they run back to you through the part where they're going to die. I mean, that stuff does happen in Pikmin, though. There are many times where I would get really angry with a Pikmin. I'm like, no, 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 no. And they just <laughs> fall to their death, and you see their little ghosts come up. Um, yeah, but it's hard to have AI that's all that intelligent for that many characters, I think, is the problem. But I mean, like, I think part of it is that they, they just stood there and be the same. So the second thing I try is I, is I split up the two char characters, have one on one side of the bridge and one on the other then i throw them to the other one and they still go confused and try to go back to the person who threw them and go die uh, and that's where i quit for the time <laughs> <laughs> that'll do it <laughs> yeah. I moments I like that in games are always when i quit playing and take a break <laughs> yeah <laughs> how is uh, the story told are there full motion cinematics or is it the typical indie thing with uh sort of headshots and text bubbles i mean it's just all in-game stuff they just kind of they just stand around and the text boxes come up okay yeah. what about as far as like corralling them because another thing that i remember about pikmin is that a lot of times you think you had gathered all the pikmin but there would be like three of them like underneath a flower that you can't really see and you kind of lose them and move on with the level and they'd end up stranded back there how does that all work that sometimes happens but you, it, they show up on the map, which is nice. That helps. Another nice thing is that your vacuum has two different settings. It there's the normal setting, which will which will just do all the idle spritelings, mm -hmm. and then there's a high power one that'll get them no matter where they are. That's so you can if you have pe I'm carrying something, you don't have to. You can just get the ones that didn't attach to it easily. Okay. Now, once the, once the Spritelings are carrying something, are they in danger? Or can you kind of clear out the level that where they're going to walk to make sure that once they are carrying something, they're safe? You can clear out the level and, and make sure nothing's in their path. 
And what what do they do with the objects? And where do they take the objects when they reach the destination? What happens with the objects once the objects get back there? A lot of them, they're, you take them to a warp pad, which takes them back to the main grove where like the, the green shields are headquartered. Mm-hmm. But others are putting them in certain places, like there's the bridge pieces, or there's a bunch of crates that it one of the main objectives in this current part is has you moving crates in order to build a path across the water so you take them there yeah interesting um how do you create new creatures obviously in pikmin you plant them in the ground and they grow but how does that work in uh in this game it's similar but more abstracted you have two things you by destroying certain plants you'll get these little blue sparks that is one of the currencies mm-hmm. then you can also get seeds for the certain types of pikmin or you can just at the main grove you can buy the the certain seeds you need with the sparks okay then you use the sparks to hatch the seeds and you okay get more so i've noticed during this discussion you keep calling them pikmin is the game that close to pikmin does it feel like kind of a shameless ripoff and is that a bad thing considering how long we've waited for a new pikmin game I don't think it's quite a shameless since it's a different genre in a way, but a lot of the visual elements are very similar. Like the damage meter you'll see on the enemies and the objects looks almost exactly like the one you'd see, the round circle with the keeps getting smaller, the one with the, the pie. Uh-huh. Yeah, it looks almost exactly like it. But you you feel like because you're not managing multiple fronts, it doesn't completely feel like a like a carbon copy? The other major thing that's different is that there are a lot more of the traditional action-adventure tropes. Oh, like, like what? You have, but beyond this currency of the sparks, you also collect various nuts and bolts, and you can use them to upgrade your character. You can buy healing now, what items. what does that do? If stuff. you upgrade your character, how does that help? Can, does it help you throw the creatures farther? What does that do? Not really. You get extra health. You can oh. get extra storage in your bag. You can use the high power mode on your vacuum longer. Okay. Um, what about the difficulty of the game? Have you found it to be challenging at all, or are you kind of breezing through it having played Pikmin before? It's pretty breezy. Yeah. Notably, the combat is generally a lot easier. Like, I think I've only lost some Spritelings like a couple times. And a lot of those were probably the accidents that you had talked about before where they just run to their doom. <laughs> not really like one one was like i think they might force you to lose a couple just because they want to tell you that no they don't really die just go back to the forest you don't feel bad oh (laughs) and then one is just with the fragile ice ones that's one of the great moments about pikmin though is when and i hate to say it when one of the creatures start eating the pikmin and the ghosts start coming up out of their mouths there's this weird dichotomy with pikmin it's this very cute game and it feels like it's made for kids but there's also kind of this dark side to it does this game have that as well a little part of it's in the story where there are like these dream sequences where wakes remembering his neglectful father Uh uh-huh so that's part of it then the never like these shadow creatures that appear when night falls because of course there's day and night because everything needs to be just like pikmin (laughs) (laughs) Um, How much is this game, Vincent? And what platforms is it available for? So it's 25 bucks. It's on PC and Xbox One. 
but it's also part of Game Pass Day One. Oh, great. And that's how I'm playing it. And it's available right now on Game Pass for both PC and Xbox? Yeah. Wow. Um, so look, for somebody who doesn't have Game Pass, would you recommend this game at 25 bucks? Definitely. This is such a great thing, especially since it's taken a decade for us to get an actual new Pikmin and know yeah. the new remix levels in Pikmin 3 Deluxe do not count. Yeah. And it sounds like it's different enough that it doesn't feel like you're playing another Pikmin game, but similar enough that it's kind of like that that comfort food feel. Yeah. It's more similar than I thought it would be considering the genre shift, but it's still good. Um, any rumors or rumblings about it coming to other platforms? Uh, not that I've heard. I'm, I'm guessing, it guessing will. maybe it will once Xbox's exclusivity runs out, but yeah. we'll see how long that takes. I'm surprised that they didn't try to sign a deal with Nintendo exclusivity because it's right in that wheelhouse. But it also gives me hope that maybe Nintendo's next Pikmin game isn't that far away. <laughs> maybe Nintendo was like, no, 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 no. We've got one coming and uh, we'll, we know we'll get your game eventually. So maybe that was a part of Nintendo's thinking on why. Uh, it's an Xbox and uh, Microsoft exclusive, really. Or maybe it's just that Game Pass offers enough that like indie games are instantly profitable because they have all the money. <laughs> That's true, but you know the rumors are, and I mean there's some evidence that backs it up that indie games do very well on Switch as well. So, yeah, um, I think it's probably a given that this will come to Switch at some point. Mm -hmm. Although playing it in handheld mode might be a challenge. I know Pikmin in handheld mode it can be tough. Um, It'll be interesting to see uh, how they handle it or if they do anything or if they're just like play it on the stupid TV. <laughs> so would you recommend this for 25 bucks? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, definitely. It's great so far. Any uh, final comments about it before we go? Not really. Just just expect your sprightlings to be a little dumb okay. and definitely play it, especially if you have Game Pass. It's getting overlooked by the major outlets. It is like no one's covering it. And as soon as I saw this game, I was like, oh, that's something I want to check out. So I'm kind of surprised that I don't think I've seen a single review for it yet, actually. Yeah, I mean, I saw a couple from smaller outlets that we don't curate. But other than that, yeah, nothing the from boys. the big ones. Yeah, the big boys aren't touching it. So there you go. That's the Wild at Heart available for PC and Xbox and right now free on Xbox Game Pass. Thanks for talking to us, Vincent. So there you go, the Wild at Heart Matt. It is available for free for Game Pass subscribers right now. And I will say this. I had remembered the game. It was announced quite a while ago. Um, and then after I spoke with Vincent about it, and he sent me some footage to use to put together this segment, I went and immediately downloaded it. Um, I am surprised that there hasn't been a Pikmin clone until now, to be perfectly honest with you. You're right. Pikmin didn't sell well by Nintendo standards, but by the standards of an indie studio or whatever, kind of, as the lower third says, filling the void left by a lack of Pikmin games. Um, it makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, so I downloaded it. I have not had a chance to play it yet because I've been trying to get through as much Biomutant as I could before we did the show today. Um, but I am excited to play it and check it out. Uh, and I don't know how much time I'm going to have to spend because the last game that we're talking about on today's show unexpectedly has me addicted 
Uh, so we'll see how much time I can set aside for the Wild at Heart. But again, if you have Game Pass, it is free right now on both PC and Xbox. And right now, that's the only platforms you can get it on, too. You can't get them on anything else, although I'm guessing it won't be long until there's a Switch version announced, provided that Microsoft hasn't given a big money hat to the studio to keep it on Game Pass for a really long time. That's typically not the case with indie games, though. Uh, It just makes too much sense on Switch. And so I suspect Switch will probably be the next version that's announced, and then eventually it'll go everywhere else. And I hope it does well. Either a Switch version or a Nintendo uh, C&B. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wish you could have seen it, Matt. Have you? Do you remember the game at all? Seeing the trailers on? No, Sitcom? I mean I looked up like shots of it while the video was playing. Um, I definitely see the where the wild things are comparison. There's a couple things in there where I'm just like, oh, those really look like Pikmin. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, yeah, it looks nice. Um, if it's on Game Pass, I guess I might as well to try it. It even has the same meters as Pikmin that has, mm-hmm. like, the clock that slowly, like, dwindles. Yeah, as... I mean, you, you can't, like, trademark gameplay yeah. ideas. So, like, it's, it, is, it is free game. It is fair, fair game. And um, it does seem like they did a pretty good job getting the concept to work in 2D as well. So definitely mm-hmm. one to check out. Again, it's kind of slow right now. Not lots of big games coming out. If you already made your, through, your way through Returnal and Pokemon Snap and... Maybe you didn't pick up Mass Effect, certainly. Uh, and again, for Game Pass, it's free. If you don't like it, you can play it for five minutes and move on to something else. But I think it looks pretty cool. Uh, big thanks to Vincent uh, for checking out the game and uh, jumping on with me to talk about it and for being a part of Game Face once again. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about two people or entities that returned this week that I think most fans, even though they may not know who they or it are, should be really excited about. Uh, the first is Amy Hennig. Um, Amy, Amy Hennig worked at Naughty Dog for a long time. The last game that she shipped from Naughty Dog was Uncharted 3. She worked a good bit on Uncharted 4, and then they separated, I think it was 2014. Is that right, Matt? Uh, that sounds about right. Roughly around there. Um, she mm-hmm. left Naughty Dog, and it sounded like they had creative differences. Would you agree with that, Matt? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Um, and then they ended up like re- Certainly there's some people who are working with her who then did not make the transition to the new version of Uncharted 4. Yeah, they ended their... up like she left, and they ended up reworking Uncharted 4 like big time. Yeah, they reworked a lot. Of, they re- recast somebody. Uh, they brought in... Sam Drake, um, and then the rest is history, I suppose. And now they're making an Uncharted movie with Mark Wahlberg as Sully. So just fuck everything. Why not? Like here we are. Like, well, we knew Amy was working on, was planning on launching a new studio and building mm-hmm. a new game, and all that stuff was kind of just rumor and conjecture. And I do know Amy pretty well. Um, and I've actually reached out to her recently and haven't heard back, which made me believe that she was very, very busy. And as it turns out, she was, in fact, very, very busy. The first details on her new project were announced this week. Um, her new company is called Skydance New Media. That's the name mm-hmm. of her new studio. She just hired the co-writer who was working with her at EA on the Star Wars game that was codenamed Project Ragtag, um, which, as we have found out since... It was canceled, and she left EA. That it was actually really far along, mm-hmm. um, and it's very rare for a game to be canceled that far into development. But it was. 
Um, and so she's brought on the co-writer from that project to work on the new game with her. Um, the only thing that they, they would say, and they are hiring other people as well, but the only official sort of statements they made about the game that they're working on is it's a story-driven action-adventure. Surprise, surprise, just like Uncharted. And it's also a high-quality, and this is a quote, a high-quality AAA single-player story-driven action-adventure game built using the Unreal Engine, unquote. Um, Matt, how excited are you for this game? They, do you believe that she's going to have the resources, the talent, the timing to create something on par with the stuff that she did at Naughty Dog? I mean, maybe. Like, look, I'll take something on par with what she did at uh, Crystal Dynamics because um, she did the Soul Reaver and those you know, Legacy of Kane games, yep. um, which were not what I would term AAA uncharted level titles i think at the uh, time they were up there though i mean nah. <laughs> no you don't think no nah, i mean like, compared uh, to other they, action adventure games at the time no, no. like I, I if you really look at those games honestly like soul reaver the first soul reaver was cut in half and they kind of bunted for the end of that mm-hmm. the second soul reaver was literally running down a single path uh, for several hours until you got to the end of the path and you turned around and went back to the beginning in the reverse. <laughs> well, it sounded um, like Uncharted until the part where they had to go back to the beginning. <laughs> right. Uh, Blood Omen uh, 2 is widely considered terrible. Uh, and Defiance got there. Defiance did what they needed to do. But like, in terms of writing, they were second to none. But in terms of like the game, like they were clearly doing what they could could with what they had to work with. Do you think that's going to um, happen again with this new project? I mean, it might, but yeah. like, um, we'll see. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know what kind of budget she's working with. I don't, but like, uh, she's she's an extremely skilled designer and one of the best writers who's ever worked in the medium. So I am willing to play anything she puts out. Like Jade Raymond, the tragedy of recent years has been we have had no Amy Hennig game. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I am going to be eternally furious at whoever decided I shouldn't get to play an Amy Hennig written and produced Star Wars game. Like, fuck you. Like, whoever made that decision, <laughs> like, I hope you have ticks. Like, I, I just, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still mad about ticks. that. <laughs> Don't, I feel like we've seen this movie before, though, Matt. You know, we have Patrice Desolais, who left mm-hmm. Ubisoft and Assassin's Creed to create his own game. Some cool concepts, execution, not great. We saw Cliff Blazinski leave Epic to work on his own stuff. Um, Up and down quality, more down than up, I think would be fair to say, though, uh, with the projects that he worked on after he left Epic. Uh, It doesn't feel like a lot of the big developer or a lot of the developers who leave big studios and big projects to go do their own thing end up with products that are as good as the products that they left just in general. You think that's a um, fair assumption? No, I think it's a case by case thing and you can't judge one thing by the other. There's Can no you trend think there. of anybody who left a, uh, a situation like that and produced a game that was as good? Um, I think most people who leave those situations leave the industry. Yeah. Um, like they go do something else. Yeah. Um, and maybe she did do something as good with star Wars, but we'll never know. Right. Um, Cliff, like, I love the guy, but like he he wandered into a very competitive area without much of a plan. Yeah. Um, who was the other one you mentioned? Um, 
I don't even remember now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess Kojima. His game wasn't as good. No, I mean, I thought it was about as good, but I don't like Metal Gear very much. You um, had the guys that left um, the Halo team to make that crazy multiplayer shooter with drones, and that was terrible. Right. I mean, Destiny turned out okay. Yeah, but those um, were the same guys. <laughs> for but, the most uh, part, like 80% of the team was the same. Also, like Amy's uh, primary skill for me is the writing. Uh, yep. I would not describe any of the people you listed as strong writers. No, not, uh, not in terms of that. So we'll see what she can put together in that regard. And like, look, she's done a wide variety. You know what her first design credit is? Not her first game she ever worked on. You know what her first design credit is for? I don't. Michael Jordan Chaos in the Windy City <laughs> on the Super Nintendo. <laughs> There's a lot going, of iconic going, developers who got their start working on going, stuff like that. Going from that to um, to uh, Uncharted is quite a journey. Yeah. Um, but, uh, like, yeah, I mean, I, I think she's very good, and I would just like to see her get to do more output. I don't know what Skydance is going to afford her to be able to do. Uh, I don't know who's funding that or whatever. Um, but at this point, I'll take what I can get. Well, you look I'll, take like a the... fuck, I'll take a fucking visual novel from her right now. Okay? <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, I really thought that like her first game was going to be like an adventure game where she could just really focus on her strong writing and things like that. Um, so mm. I was surprised to hear that they're going the action route. But yeah, I mean, the announcement for the company like last, uh, I mean, they announced the Skydance thing um, a while back, yeah. like a couple years ago, like 2019. Yeah. And they said they said it was like. Uh, interactive series for streaming platforms or yeah. something like that. Yeah, like now it could be something we're not expecting. It could be. It could be. I could be closer to left the industry than I think I am on this one. <laughs> um, like I don't think she's going to be trying to recreate Uncharted here. Well, that was kind of my next question. So the the last game we talked about, The Wild at Heart, it was feeling a void left by Nintendo refusing to release Pikmin games. And now with Naughty Dog, Naughty Dog has kind of decided to move away from the Uncharted franchise. Do you think it feel, it provides a void that her new game could fill? And do you think that she's going to have a team capable of producing a game like that? Uh, no, because she's not stupid. Like, you can't just step in and make a $300 million AAA game to compete with the Uncharted space. Like, that's not a thing anyone is going to realistically try to do. So, like, you can't compete with Naughty Dog without the backing of a massive corporate you back her like Sony or something like you can't do that. But like, aren't most people not... going to compare her new game to Uncharted anyway, even if it's not fair? Um, I'm nobody worth listening to. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> uh, it'll be interesting. Also, it's been a long time. Like it's yeah. You know, Uncharted three was many many years ago. Like you know who knows who who even remembers she is outside of people like us. I mean, I don't think most people know who she is in the first place. Man. No, I wouldn't think so. Let's be I'm, honest. It's a she's she's in, definitely inside baseball in terms of like you know knowing the industry i would say uh like anybody you know it's like i was i mean i've talked to people who are diehard sims players who don't know who will Wright is you know yeah. like it, it, knowing the names of the people who make games is still kind of a niche thing yep uh it's good that they're using unreal engine they're not trying to build their own so that's yeah. a good first step <laughs> yeah well i think she she probably learned i know she uh you know they spent a lot of time whipping the frostbite engine into a shape that it could do what they needed it to do for that star wars game before they got canceled yeah uh the one thing she did specifically talk about was the fact that there was no way in the frostbite engine when she got there to to have a character climb over something yeah like to climb over in third person to climb over like <laughs> cover like like you know like like uh 
you know, like, like Nathan Drake does 15 times a, a minute, a you minute. know? Yeah. Um, and so they had to build, like basically build that into the frostbite engine. And then she, she says it was something like that's still there, you know, that's added to the engine. Like that's there as part of the, the, the frostbite library now. So other teams can use that in their games, but they're never going to get to use it for their game. To, so they did all this work that's going to benefit these other teams at EA, but they're never going to get to use it for their game that they built it for. And she was a little mm, about that. And I don't blame her for that. I don't either. That does, that is annoying that uh, you improve this stupid engine they force you to work on. And then they fired you and kept all your improvements. Like that's, but it has I, I been would, almost seven years since she produced anything. It does kind of make yeah. you wonder what to expect from it, you know? I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure that Star Wars game was pretty great. Yeah. Um, I know they canceled it, but uh, considering what they were canceling and what they were letting through at the time, uh, uh, I, I, I'm not sure I'm willing to say EA made the right call there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I'm guessing we don't see her game for a long time. Maybe. I mean, if the announcement about her... Joining Skydance was like the end of 2019, so there could be something to show sometime this year, maybe a little teaser or something. Yeah, I mean, she must have taken up the bulk of the writing duties if they've only been working with her mm -hmm. as the lead writer all this time. Um, I mean, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's, she was one of the best in the industry. So. And if she's bringing on someone, you know, the other writer to sort of fill in the gaps and, and take up that the heavy lifting on that side while she focuses on the rest of the game now that they're hitting like a, a bigger form part of production, like that would make sense to me. Crazy part too is that Uncharted 3, as far as story goes, was the best of the three. Um, I thought the games got better as story was involved as as the series went on. So um, she left mm. there when she was kind of hitting her stride. You don't agree with that? No, nah, I think Uncharted 2 is still the best. Of, although I think the I think the it's parts, the best game of the three. I think, I think the Uncharted parts 3 with, is the best story. I think Uncharted 3 story is a little disjointed. Huh. in places i do think it has the best uh drake and elena stuff yeah but that's a fairly small part of the game uh and i still think i have no evidence of this but i still feel like the ship you know the ship the, the ship sequence where it flips out a big yep. thing in the middle with a ship that has almost nothing to do with anything in the rest of the game it's just a tech and i am yeah i am very convinced that originally that was because the same thing with the train from two they started the train sequence like first uh -huh. that was the first thing they started and the last thing they finished because like, it was the hardest thing to do in, in the game. here <laughs> so i think i think originally in the original plan that ship sequence fit a lot better but it was the big centerpiece thing they started earliest and had to you know get done and so at a certain point i think the game changed the narrative of the game changed around it but you had to keep the ship sequence because it was too much invested yeah, too much time also amazing i mean it's, yeah oh yeah i'm not but complaining just, that it was in it the just game. comes out of nowhere a little bit it does it's like, yeah. oh, okay that's interesting i mean i'm glad it's there but it's like i mean even so I think, just the set that section of the game stands out from the rest of the yeah. game as far as how the gameplay worked and everything it was yeah. a, an awesome tech demo really yeah i i, I think uh two holds together overall the best um I, mean, I think it's the I like best th game in the series for sure obviously i like three three story better than four <laughs> um, but uh, that's not no, saying much based upon the things you've said about Uncharted 4 I'm, in the past. I, re I really, I really don't like what they did with that game, yeah, story wise. Um, God, I hate Sam Drake, <laughs> really, really don't like Sam Drake. Okay, well, the other sort of, but neither does Lost Legacy, so it's okay. Yeah, that's true. Lost Legacy was, it was a, a catharsis for me because Lost Legacy seems to dislike Sam Drake as much as I do. <laughs> so, uh, the other. Studio. This is a whole studio that's coming back. Is Free Radical Design? Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people watching this show may have no clue who Free Radical Design is, 
but they they were basically built from a bunch of developers who defected from Rare after Rare was purchased by Microsoft. Uh, the two leaders of the studio, one was David Doak. You may recognize that name from GoldenEye. Was yeah, he a big character Goldeneye in GoldenEye? Guy. I think he was. Yeah, he's, his face is on one of the enemies, I think. He's, like, he's, he's in there. Yeah. yeah. And then another guy named Steve Ellis. They were the heads of the studio. And their big project, their big franchise they created was Time Splitters. Time Splitters was a very GoldenEye-like shooter. In fact, getting B-roll for this, it, it almost looks like they stole the GoldenEye code. Like when they walked out the door, it looks so much like GoldenEye. But the twist is it it's set in all these random time periods, like 1930s, Chicago. It jumps all over the place, which allows for the mm-hmm. game to be, I don't know, unpredictable, um, different. There aren't a lot of shooters where you can play in a bunch of time periods. There is um, Bioshock Infinite that had kind of yeah. those timelines. There's, uh, there's time lapse. Yep, time lapse. Not time lapse. Time code. Time. Time. You know, time shift. That's what it was. Yeah. Time shift. Yeah. And there's another one that was terrible. I can't remember what it was. It was like you, but like it was like a first terrible first person shooter, and you had to jump to different time periods, to like fix things in time. It was a civil war section. Uh, it was a bad 360 game. It was like a like an infamously bad 360 was it game. Home front? No, no, no. Homefront is there's no time travel on Homefront. Um, this was like the whole thing was you were part of a, a group that went and fixed time travel problems. The only thing I specifically remember because I remember Abby played it for review at on X Play. And I specifically remember she found in the Civil War section, she found a rock. And if you walked next to the rock, you died. <laughs> like it was just the this rock, rock off to one side. And if you walked too close to that rock, the character just fell over dead. Huh. Like it was, it was, it was, it was not a finished game. Did you like Time Splitters? I think I did. I think I only played Time Splitters 2. Okay. Um, but I remember, I, like you said, it was very GoldenEye-ish. Um, and I, it, it felt like it. It definitely felt like an evolution of GoldenEye. Um, you could tell it was made by the, the, a lot of the same people. I liked it. I didn't. I I had a lot of trouble playing first-person shooters on the PlayStation Two. Oh. Um, it was, I just didn't like the controller, and I thought it was so polygony and ugly that I I couldn't. Uh, I and couldn't it really is. Get We're seeing it. B-roll of it right now. It yeah. is very polygony and ugly. Yeah, but it is. <laughs> I, did you? I, there is a version in uh, Homefront Revolution. You see that? No, huh? That was that was like last month, I think. Some guy, one of the developers of Homefront Revolution on Twitter, uh, he said like, "Yeah, there's a there's a complete remaster of the first Time Splitters in Homefront Revolution." <laughs> um, and the code, he's like, "Like, I gave the code to my friend, a friend of his. He gave the code to the a friend of his to tell the like the Homefront um, Discord, and the and the the Discord banned him." Because they thought he was trolling them, <laughs> and he couldn't, f- and he lost the code. So he's like, "It's in there somewhere, but I don't remember the code to get to it." And so after a couple of days of research, somebody found the Discord th- record or something, and they found the code. And it's you can put it in, and it, you can play Time Splitters in Homefront Revolution. Wow, that's crazy! I bought Homefront Revolution for five dollars on the Xbox Store to do that. <laughs> it works. It it's worked. It worked on you. You got got you to spend five bucks. Yeah, I got paid five bucks for a game I already don't like. <laughs> Um, I yeah, wanted absolutely. to like Time Splitters more than I actually did. Yeah, like I mean, I, I think that's a fair thing. To I was say. like, oh, it's the GoldenEye guys. I'm like, I freaking love GoldenEye. How could this not be the most awesome shooter ever? And it wasn't 
terrible. It just wasn't great. It's kind of mm-hmm. like the eternal darkness of first-person shooters. Coming from Nintendo um, at that time, you know, Eternal Darkness was originally an N64 game that moved over to GameCube. Um, so I'm sure there were lots of internal conversations about products that were coming um, from mm-hmm. Nintendo while he was at Rare. So I don't know if he got a little inspiration from Eternal Darkness for Time Splitters or not, but I was not a huge fan of it. The gunplay was great. Uh, I liked the multiplayer a lot, too. The single player, though, I hate the art style that they used. Um, and surprisingly, the whole time travel thing just wasn't, I don't know, it never worked mm. for me. I think the time periods that they explored just weren't particularly interesting, no. unlike Dark, Eternal Darkness. Darkest of Days is oh. the bad one I was thinking there of. There you go. Well, the news is that Free Radical Design has been reformed with both David Doak and his partner, Steve Ellis, and they are making a next-gen version of Time Splitters. And I will say this, I feel like it may have better possibilities now than it did when it originally released. And I have my interest in something like this is probably higher than it was when it released as well. Um, I'm surprised that more games, not just shooters, but more games haven't done the whole, now we're in this one time period, now we're in another. Um, It seems like a very obvious concept uh, to make interesting, but it's rarely done. I think it's very hard to do um, just because, you know, you're talking about two different time periods, you're talking about two completely different forms of art direction, a whole different set of textures and a whole different set of everything. And I would Um, argue Eternal Darkness, there were time periods that were more successful than others, for sure. Yeah. Well, also, let's not forget that Eternal Darkness uh, reused a lot of, you know, they reused almost every environment at least twice. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, okay, now the temple has just got more vines in it because right. it's like a hundred years later or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it works for that game. Like it's, it's, it's a valid way to go about it, but it's like, uh, they were, they were cheating a little, cheating a little bit. Also, let's not, I mean, that's not time travel. It's just sort of like jumping from time period to time period. Let's not wait, you know, in terms difference? of narrative, <laughs> this is flashbacks, but like, uh, let's also not forget like time travel never saves the story. It usually um, ruins it. Yeah, time travel is a device to let the story happen. As soon as the time travel becomes the story, you are generally in bad territory. It's also Um, a very cheap plot device to fix problems or make problems, in all honesty. It can be hard to keep track of all the disparate threads that Well, the the problem with time travel is that it's impossible. So um, you are automatically breaking the logic of the story by incorporating it, and you just sort of have to pick where you decide to sort of bleep over the problem. Yeah. And there are, there are, mo- there are stories that figure that out. Back to the future figures that out. Back to the future two does not yeah. figure that out. <laughs> um, so it's like, you know, cause in back to the future two, the time travel is the story. Right. And in back to the future one, the story is about Marty and his parents. The time travel just gets you there. Right. That's yeah. the good use of time travel. And that's one of the reasons time splitters worked was, the point wasn't really that you were time traveling because the point was that it was fun to play. It would have been more fun if I could tell what I was looking at PlayStation <laughs> two. But um, the point was that like, Oh, it just zapped you here and you're sort of, you know, you're chasing guys, you know, the, the enemies kind of through the time periods and like part of it, part of the fun part is sort of the dissonance of like, Oh, you're running through like this other time period, but you're like these future agent guys, like, you know, fighting your way through this stuff and other characters are like, what the hell? Like, you know, there's, there's a fun element to that, which would probably be more fun now when the art direction could really be realized more accurately. It's also um, crazy seeing footage of first-person shooters where you can't aim down sights. 
where yeah, it's all that was not a thing really. <laughs> it just shows you how old the game is. Matt does well. So Deep Silver is the publisher that is bringing Free Radical Design out of retirement. Is this a smart move? Like, I don't think anybody watching the show on stream right now has probably even heard of Free Radical Design. And my guess is maybe half of them have heard of Time Splitters. I mean, Time Splitters has a very uh, dedicated fan base. Yeah, it does. There are people um, that are rabid fans of this franchise. Yeah. So I, at the very least, you're guaranteed uh, to be talked about. Yeah. Um, so I guess at it. this point, it's probably worth a shot. Like, that's about as far as I'd go. Is that but, where like, Deep Silver's happens. At? I guess it is, if it's still waiting for it. That, that for poor publisher, every game it announces, it takes like six years for the game to come out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably a better investment than uh, Dead Island 2. At yeah, this point. at this point. It's sure looking that way. You think we're ever going to see that game? I imagine we'll see it in some form. Um, I can't guess that it's going to be... Uh, ain't really all that great. It's been remade um, what three times now? It's on yeah, its third iteration. especially in compare. I mean, I you know, my eye is still on Dying Light too. Um, it sounds like we're gonna get some kind of next gen revamp of Dying Light One uh, this year. Uh, so we'll see. But like to me, I mean, to me, the people that made Dead Island One, that's Techland. They went over and made Dying Dying Light. Yeah. Dying Light is Dying Dead on. Island Two. Yeah. Um, so whatever they're making over for Dead Island, I don't. Mm, <laughs> Dead Island 1 wasn't that much of a, of a revelation to me that I'd really be clamoring all these years later for a sequel. I'm surprised Deep Silver stuck with it so long, to be perfectly yeah, honest with it's you. A, it must be a sunk cost thing at this point, I would think. I guess. Um, but yeah, so this kind of mediocre middling shooter from the PS2 era is getting a oh, new... Don't, don't let them hear you say that. Yeah, I know, I know. And don't let the, the fans hear it either, because like you said, they are they're yeah. big time fans of this franchise. I, I mean the fans, like yeah. I mean, I've Time Splitters too uh, is the more more of the darling. Like I know, like there's people that like you know Time Splitters one is sort of like acknowledged like kind of an early early installment weirdness sort of PS2 shooter cool. But like there's people that will defend Time Splitters two to the death, mostly on the GameCube, I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, Time Splitters two is sort of the star, as from what I could tell. I do think the concept has possibilities, and I think the possibilities are more fruitful in 2021 than they were back then. I think with mm-hmm. the advances in technology and middleware, and yeah. Things like I mean, that. certainly if you want to like kind of really leverage what Insomniac's doing with Ratchet and Clank, in terms of like the jumping from portal to portal right. thing, like you could do some really cool stuff with that with time travel. You could, uh, but they are just forming a brand new team. Um, so I don't know if they're going to have the technical prowess to make that happen. Who knows? It's possible. I mean, once once Insomniac's got it done, you just look at the source um, code. Yeah, you look at that, or like you call Ted Price. Yeah, it's like how'd you do that? He like, might tell out. them. I don't know. Another, it's another first party studio. Sure, Free Radical Design. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think Ted's those a great guys guy. All, and all those but... guys are also all of a generation. Like you know, and also like that might be something that makes it better on PlayStation. Yep. Than on Xbox. That's true. Like it's a thing that might work better that way. It might be something that you put them in touch with Sony. Yeah. And be like, we're interested in doing something that really takes advantage of your of your hardware. We'd like to talk to Mark Cerny about it. Like we want to be involved. Like that's a thing that could happen. Well, as of right now, it is announced for PS5 series and PC. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't look like they're gonna try to straddle the line and uh, release a PS4 or Xbox One version. Although by the time this game comes out, those consoles will be. Yeah, that Long hopefully will be past that by yeah, then. Wait, I, I hope we better be. I'm starting to really wonder at this point. Um, seems I mean, like I think with it, I think by the, that time you hit the two year mark, 
you're going to be safely able to release stuff that doesn't work on the last gen systems. Yeah. Should be able Although, to. you know, with, with the way Microsoft is rolling, like maybe that won't happen and you'll just get really, you know, play it on a potato kind of thing <laughs> for stuff. You know, who knows? Who knows yeah. what they're planning to do with that? Yeah. It's pretty I think crazy, it's much though. more likely to see, you know, we're already seeing PlayStation 5 games that cannot be played on PlayStation 4. Uh, we have not seen that happen with Xbox so far. And, and it seems to be part of their plan to always allow, you know, lower settings to be available. So we'll see. Can you think of another studio that broke up and then reformed and kept the old name? Um, I can't think of any. A lot of times the rights no. to that stuff are held by someone else or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I can think of ones that came back together, but they had to think of another name, right. like Black Isle or, uh, yep. um, you know, a lot of the interplay devs had yep. to come back together and name themselves something else. Yeah. But I've um, never seen where they named it the same. Yeah. It's unusual. You get to, you, you keep the name. So I'm guessing Someone, David some, Doak probably made sure he held on to that all that yes, time. Yes, he must have he must have registered that under himself or something. Because yep. um, usually that stuff, especially if you end up selling the company before it disbands, you've lost that name to whatever corporation bought you. Yep. Um, but that never happened to Free Radical. So. Yep. So there you go. Those are the updates. Amy Hennig coming back. She's finally got her studio kicked into full gear. Be cool if we got a trailer at least at E3. Uh, Free Radical Design literally just got back together. I would not expect to see anything from the next Time Splitters for no. at least next year, at least. Um, and even then, maybe a little too early, but uh, we'll see. But it's good to see people who have been successful and did good work in the past staying in the games industry and coming back to hopefully create relevant content once again. All right, let's move on to our last topic of episode 257. A pleasant surprise from this week, a game that I had very low to zero hopes for. Oh, actually, let me let me add one thing there. Okay. I, did, I didn't put together. Uh, Homefront the Revolution was published by Deep Silver. Ah. So they would have seen us if if the if the the thing were that came out about time splitters being playable in Homefront Revolution, if that did really cause a spike in sales of that game, uh. Deep Silver would have seen that firsthand. Yep. Absolutely. And if that, That's a good if, point. They, if there was a huge jump in interest from that when that got leaked just on Twitter, that was not an even announcement. That was a developer saying, hey, this is in there somewhere. If someone can go find it, that would be cool. If that caused a spike in sales for this game that's five years old, yeah. then maybe Deep Silver saw that and was like, oh, people care about this thing. Still. We should get on that. Yeah, it's possible. Maybe they just reached out to David and he's like, I might be interested in that. And then Deep Silver's like, Here's some money. And he's like, oh, I'm definitely interested in that. So. <laughs> you think you can get this done in less than seven years? Because that's what we're up on for Dead Island 2. <laughs> he's like, I think I can make that happen. You can handle I- that, yeah. <laughs> seven years? You made three of these things. We know I how it goes. That. <laughs> yep, that's a good point, Matt. Uh, anyway, back on to my pleasant surprise. It is very rare, Matt, that I get surprised by anything in games anymore. Because games are typically shown for the first time with a trailer and then it just begins this crazy marketing cycle where by the time the game is released you almost feel like you know too much about each game um Mm. in between what the publishers do and the developers do and what the traditional press does and what the influencers do and the streamers do it's very hard to be surprised by a game anymore but this game absolutely surprised me it is called knockout city it is a competitive dodgeball game from EA 
that just released this week. Um, first question I'm sure everyone's going to ask is, is it free? It is not free over the long term. But right now, it is free everywhere. Until the end of May, you can play the game for free. And then I believe after that, it's going to be like 20 bucks or something like that. Not like crazy high-priced. And it is a three-on-three competitive dodgeball game. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't check out a ton of, of coverage on it. I did check out some. some. But I just figured, you know, it's just going to be this stupid, like, you know, dodgeball in school where you have a bunch mm-hmm. of people on one side of the court, a bunch of people on the other side of the court, and it's just a dodgeball game. What is that sort of old school one that actually where you're actually throwing discs, but it's basically dodgeball? Um, you know what I'm talking about, though? Like an old the old arcade game or? No. Um, Not Super Dodgeball. Um, no, it's called like Spinners or something like oh, that. Oh, uh, yeah. But anyway, I thought it was going to be. I know, it's like a Sega thing. And it's like, I it think was, so. They brought it back it recently. It looks like an arcade game for sure. Yeah. And it just recently was brought back. You, you're, that's the game I'm talking about. I yeah. thought it was going to be like that. But this game is not like that. This is like. Fort- Spin Jammers. Yeah, that's it. Wind Jammers. Wind Jammers. Yeah, that's right. That's it. Um, this game is like. Fortnite with dodgeballs is the best way that I can put it. Um, um, also, it's all, it is on Game Pass right now, and if you get it on Game Pass, you can have it. You have it forever as long as you have Game Pass. So it's not going away at the end of the month. So you can get it on there as well. Um, and it is a three-on-three competitive dodgeball uh, game, but it is set in these urban. In fact, let me just get the B-roll rolling so you can check it out for yourselves. But it is set in these very much like. Fortnite-like environments. The art style is very much like Fortnite. It's cartoony. It's flat-shaded. And the structure of the game is a good bit like Fortnite as well. It's all about um, winning matches, earning gold, and then using that gold to customize your character for the most part. And the concept of dodgeball, it may sound like, I think a lot of people may hear that and they're like, oh, it's probably like a first-person shooter where you have to be really good at aiming. That You do not aim in this game at all. In fact, there is no aiming. There's no fire down or throw down the sights in this game. All the opposing teammates that you're playing against are auto-targeted, and you use the right analog stick to cycle through the opposing team. And it's very snappy and very quick and works really, really well. And you may say, okay, well... If I'm not targeting, like, what separates the good players from the bad players? If it's just all auto-targeting, isn't it all luck? And the strategy in this game comes into power shots. So the controls are very simple. Like, you use the right trigger to throw, you have a jump button, and you use the left trigger to catch the balls, just like in dodgeball. Um, And you can charge up your shots by how long you hold the throw button. However... Once you're, you've pulled down that trigger, you move very slowly. You're, slowly. you're bas- basically a sitting duck once you do that. So you have to be smart with not only when you first pull the trigger to throw the dodgeball, but how long you hold it before you release it. Um, because the longer you hold it, the more power you have, which makes it harder for the opponent to catch, but you're also vulnerable while you're doing it. And this seesaw of strategy is shockingly deep. Um, once you get into matches, and I'll say this too, by my second match, I felt like I was good at this game and could compete and wasn't focusing so much on how do I do this, how do I do that. 
I was already focusing on like, okay, I have the basics. How do I get good at this game? And by my fourth or fifth game, I was finishing up on the leaderboard as one of the top people to get people out. So every character can take two hits, essentially. Um, You get one that's like a mulligan, and the second time you get hit, you have to respawn. And there is a short timer before the respawn. It's like five or seven seconds or something like that. And then the first team to eliminate 10 of the enemy team wins the round, and it matches are the best of three rounds. So the first team to win two rounds wins the match. And then after you win, you're rewarded with a bunch of gold and all this other crap that you can go to buy, like, a hang glider, like a different hang glider or different cosmetics or different, uh, like, player parts that you can use to construct your characters with. Um, And then adding some more levels of complexity to the game is there's all these different balls. There's balls that you can use to curve shots around corners. There's this ball called a cage ball where if you run into it, you actually go inside the ball like Samus, and then you can roll around. And there is one caveat to this, that this ball in particular is a little bit annoying because when you are the ball, you can roll into any teammate and they're forced to pick it up. So... Now, I'll say this. When they pick up the ball, it is more powerful, and it's immediately fully charged. So there's an advantage to doing it. But being someone who is playing the game and having a teammate roll up to me, when I have somebody sighted up and I've held in the trigger to charge the shot that perfect amount, and you're just ready to release the shot, and they roll into you, and you drop the ball that you had for the cage ball to throw instead. Um, it, it can be a little bit off-putting and a little strange to kind of get used to at first. Like, and you hate, you don't want to be a jerk about it because they're trying to help. They're like, hey, I have this fully charged up ball that's more powerful. Throw it. But sometimes it really can put you in a pinch when you've been engaged with, like, someone on the other team for a while and you've kind of outwitted them. And you're like, there it is. There's my moment to throw. And then this cage ball appears in your hand. You're like, yeah, you jerks. Um, the progression in the game There are 99 levels across each of the nine progression tiers. Like I said, this game is not free to play. They're going to charge you money for this eventually uh, once the end of May gets here. But it is all set up already as if it is a free-to-play game, which is a little weird to me. It's like if I'm going to pay for this, like this whole, like, there's going to be a battle pass. It's already been announced. um, It's coming. But there is a ton of progression already in the base game. So it's not like you're going to run out of, like, all the progression tiers and stuff to unlock in the first, like, two days you play it or whatever. Um, There are different modes, but they're all basically the same base concept. Generally, the modes just switch up, like, which balls are going to spawn onto the field or not. They don't change the gameplay or the, the, the win conditions, which is knock out 10 of the opponents, best of three rounds. Um, you can So the auto-targeting... It works great. It all the auto targeting works from a long distance away. Like you can see someone from like a hundred yards, and it will still auto target them. Now, obviously, they have a lot more time to catch the ball, um, and that's the other thing. So, playing defense in this game is very well balanced. Catching the ball isn't impossible. It's a little bit like batting in a baseball game because there's all these different balls. If they throw a straight one at you, it's pretty easy to catch it. If they throw a curved one at you. Or if they just throw the ball slow, it's like a change-up. So you can keep squeezing catch, but if you do it like twice in a row, it doesn't work anymore. So if you're used to someone throwing balls like a 1,000 miles an hour, and suddenly they throw a slow one, 
in a lot of cases, you'll burn both of those catches, and then the ball will hit you and, and eliminate you. Um, I have been very pleasantly surprised by this game. I have been having a ton of fun with it. I've been kind of looking as a replacement for Rocket League. I, I have not played, I have not been playing Call of Duty lately. I have not been playing League of, League of Legends lately, and that's all because of their communities. The cheating is out of control in Call of Duty. The community is so toxic in League of Legends. I just don't want to deal with either one of them anymore. So, and I, so I've kind of switched over to playing a lot of Rocket League lately, and I'm burning out on that too because I've come back around to the realization that one bad player in Rocket League ruins the whole team, which is why I quit playing Rocket League back in the day when I was kind of hooked on it. I got tired of having one player who either quits in the middle of a match or just drives around the whole match backwards or is intentionally griefing, trying to score on your team. I just got sick of all that. And I picked up this game, and I'm ser- being serious. I feel like this might be my next like short burst addiction, the game that I play when I have 15 or 20 minutes to kill and want to have some fun. Um, as I've got into it and I've learned more XP and stuff that I could use to unlock stuff, uh, I've unlocked like a lot of fun cosmetics and I'm not a big cosmetics person generally in games. I'm like, give me the default guy and I'm good. But a lot of the stuff in this is really fun. They've learned a lot from Fortnite, to be honest with you. You can see its fingerprints all over this game. Um, let's see what other stuff do I want to bring up? Oh, there's like, you can fake throw it which just completely throws you off because it'll actually show kind of like the the visual triggers that they're going to throw, and then they can just tuck it, and then you definitely burn both of your catches right away, and they can throw it no matter how they want to, and they're going to take off uh, one of your two uh, tabs of life. Um, just like real dodgeball, if you don't have the ball, it's intense. And when I first started playing, the, the hardest, the thing that took me the longest to figure out was where the balls spawn. So when you first start, there's always like one or two that's kind of right in front of you, but there's three people on your team. And if you don't get one of those first couple balls, you're on a hunt to try to find one. If you don't find one, it's intense because they will find you and all three of their teammates will start trying to knock you out immediately because they realize that you can't hurt them. And that's obviously where catching the ball is your only defense. And Unlike real dodgeball, catching the ball does not automatically eliminate the person who threw it. And I don't know. I guess your mileage will vary based upon how much you care about real dodgeball. Um, What it does, though, is if you catch a ball, then it's immediately fully charged. So if you fire it back right away, it's going to be a really hard and really fast shot. Um, And that's hard to prepare for, in all honesty, because a lot of times when you throw the ball, you think it's going to land. And when it doesn't land... You're like, oh, crap, because they can, if they catch it, they can immediately fire it right back at you. Um, you can also pass balls to a teammate, and if you do that, they're instantly fully charged. There's just – I've been playing it for a couple days, and I feel like I am uncovering new strategies and ways to be better at the game all the time. And, look, I was someone who was like, what do you mean There's everything's auto-targeted? How is there any challenge or skill involved? Nothing could be further from the truth. I'm having a blast with this game. It could use a few more maps right now. Um, right now, I think there's enough balls, but I'll probably get sick of the balls that are in the game here in the next like couple weeks, few weeks. But my guess is they're going to keep adding different balls with different behaviors. That is a part of the learning curve, learning to recognize what the ball is that the opponent has, and then immediately also registering what that ball does and being prepared for it and trying to catch the ball um, or just try to avoid it. Uh, and a lot of times you can just kind of turn a corner when you are 
being targeted, the whole screen turns red around the edges. So you know when someone's like got you sighted in. And a lot of times you can just kind of sprint around the corner and get away from them um, to avoid them. And then there's a dash as well that can help you get out of trouble at the last minute if, you, if you're trying to just get around that corner before they throw the ball. There's just enough of everything to provide enough strategy without the, the game feeling overwhelming. Like even Fortnite. I feel like a lot of people play that for the first time and they feel overwhelmed. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to get weapons. They don't know where to get good weapons. Literally in two matches, you feel like you're in the zone in this game. It is designed very, very well. Uh, I do feel like it is designed for a free-to-play game, and when it does eventually turn free-to-play, all that stuff is in there, the stuff that's going to get people to spend money on cosmetics and things like that. I feel like it's only a matter of time. So I do, I am resistant to recommending somebody pay money for this because I don't think it's going to be that long either until it goes free-to-play. Um, but I would say this, at 20 bucks, you'll get 20 bucks of enjoyment out of it in a couple days. I'll just be honest with you. So... I really like this game, Matt. I've had a ton of fun with it. It came out of nowhere for me. Like, I knew about it, uh, but I had, like, watched a couple trailers and maybe watched, like, one quick gameplay snippet and didn't pay a ton of attention to it. I just thought it was going to be a throwaway. And as it turns out, it's really damn good. I've had a ton of fun uh, with this game. It's Knockout City. It's on everything. It is free until the end of May on everything, on Switch, everywhere. Uh, it's on Game Pass right now, and if you wait until after the end of May, uh, you're going to have to pay 20 bucks for it, but I think you'll get that out of it very quickly. Um, so I've had a ton of fun with it. Any questions you have about it, Matt? Do you, Would this interest you, do you think? No. Um, Why not? I just don't care about multiplayer stuff at all, um, especially not like something with no narrative and no anything to it. Like it's There just, is nothing. Like the yeah, game starts and... They put you on a rooftop, and you can go and try out the different balls in the game so you understand how they work before you go into a match, and then you can join a match, and that's it. There's a little training thing you can do, and that's all there's in the game. I really doubt there's going to be any kind of a narrative built around this. There is like a no, dumb and there probably setup, shouldn't but, be. Like, it's just not, yeah. it's just not that kind of thing. It's just I just don't, I don't care. Like, it's interesting that they made a dodgeball game and didn't just make it into a shooter. Like, like I think it's cool that they tried to do something different. Um, I think the, the the art design is a little uh, little try hard. It's generic to me. I mean, it looks like Fortnite. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I it's, it's not definitely not for me. Um, I didn't think not. it was for me either, though, Matt. Until I played it. Well, I'm not really even willing to use the hard drive space up on it. So uh, I got other <laughs> things. I got other things to do. I think it was like a few gigs. It's really small. It's I not- would hope it's less than ten. Yeah. It's, yeah. I see Vincent um, in chat says that they actually added a new map today, which is great because they do need more of those. And they added ranked play today as well, which is mm-hmm. also good because people are starting to get to the point now where they're pretty good at the game. Um, but I was able to be pretty good at it in short order. There's a lot of people playing it because it's free right now. And it sounds like all the betas that they had were very successful. They had lots of players and a lot of engagement with it. So um, it could end up becoming the next big thing. I'll be honest with you. Like, I didn't think it was, but... Something has to take Fortnite's place, and it's not going to be a Fortnite clone. It's going to be something that takes a lot of the elements and the looks of Fortnite and does something different with it. And this game is absolutely that. So I mean, they are doing you know the the Rocket League model, which is smart, where I just give it away as much as you can and yeah. build that player base and get people hooked on it and like go from there, um, which has proven to work multiple times in the past. So yeah, maybe. Yep, so I've had a blast with Knockout City. I highly recommend it. If you have it on Game Pass, you'd be crazy not to download it. 
Um, I think it's worth it for everyone, no matter what platform you're playing on, to download it. It's free, and you can play it for like two weeks and figure out whether you want to spend the money on it before you have to. That's a great way to do this. Could use a better name. What'd you say? I could use a better name. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't make sense with Mm -hmm. it. Like it doesn't tell you what it is. Right away. Yeah, I mean, I knew what it was. I remember the trailer, like the announcement was like last year or whatever or something. Um, but every time someone would mention it or pop up in like the feed somewhere, I think they were talking about some kind of like weird indie beat em up. Oh. Like a Streets of Rage clone or something. Yeah. The other thing I like about it too is it also gives you that feeling from real dodgeball where if you're the only one left on your team, and it doesn't happen all that often because people do respawn, but there are times where it's just you and like two of on the other team or three on the other team and it gives you that same sense of panic especially if they have the balls and you don't have one so the first thing you have to do is try to get a ball somehow and you can either catch it or you can dodge it or hope that they throw it and miss and you can pick one up uh it's just really really intense and really fun i'd never found like i have yet to find like an exploit in the game or i haven't seen anyone else with like find an exploit in the game that kind of cheapens everything like even in rocket league once you get a certain level of that game, like you can shoot the ball from anywhere and score, and it kind of makes games boring after a while. Uh, but I have not seen anything like that so far in Knockout City. Um, and here you're seeing like all the stuff that you can unlock. Again, it's very much like a Rocket League or a Fortnite. It's just really built on a backbone of free to play, which is why I recommend that you hold off on uh, on buying it at full price unless you really love it after you play for free for like the 10 days, and the character customization stuff, in my opinion, way better than Fortnite was when it launched. Um, there's, you know, like 15, 20 faces that you can choose from, all different body builds, all different costumes, haircuts, all that kind of stuff. I've just had a ton of fun with it, and so I wanted to make sure that I mentioned it on Game Face to try to get some other people to give it a shot and see if they like it just as much as I do. So there you go. That's Knockout City. Again, it's on everything, free until the end of the month, and then like 20 bucks after that. Uh, let's get to some Q&A. We can answer a few more questions today because we actually wrapped up the show proper a little earlier than normal. I actually felt bad the last couple weeks because there were tons of questions in our chat and we didn't get to like hardly any of them. So today, we're going to rectify that. We're going to answer a bunch more than normal. Um, El Guapo, 3385. Let me take down these graphics here. Um... Hype level for Thursday's State of Play featuring Horizon Forbidden West. Did you see that, Matt? Mm-hmm. Um, 15 minutes of gameplay coming up. Yeah, we will see. I'm, I'm not really expecting this game to like reinvent the wheel on this. I mostly just want to play it. Okay. Like You're not excited much... to see like the first raw gameplay of it? Mm-hmm. Like, I really cannot emphasize how much I'd rather just play something. Um <laughs> Footage doesn't blow me up. You don't get hyped up about stuff anymore, Matt? Not really, no. Um, You're going to have to really catch me off guard for something like that. I feel like, I mean, look, obviously I love Horizon. It was my favorite game of that year. I played it twice. Uh, Not a lot of games that size get a second playthrough from me. Um, But, like, it's kind of in a a state where I'm just like, yeah, I'm in. Like, just give it to me. Like, I don't don't need to see anything more. I think most people probably fall into your camp where they're – you know, they know they're going to get it no matter what, yeah. provided it isn't a complete disaster. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'd like to see like, you know, what's, what are the, so maybe also like, you know, I, we've been doing this long enough that every, you know, gameplay demos 
do not reflect how I play a video game. Like it's and a lot it's of a, cases anymore. They don't reflect how anyone's going to play right. a video game. Let's be right. honest. Like it's a vertical slice. It's showing how you do. It's like, let's be honest. Like except for the really hard stuff. Did I ever put a tripwire down in that game? Right. No. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I, I used my best arrows and killed them before they could get to me. Yeah. Like that's that's what I did. I think what most um, people want to see is like what will be any like new features. Yeah, I'd like to see the new stuff. Some of the new creatures. I'd like to see what you know. Why why is underwater there? Like what is underwater gonna gonna offer that other stuff doesn't? Is it gonna be more than just diving down and finding the thing? Um, that kind of stuff. Um, I'd like to see if the lip sync is any better. Um, you know, hopefully they've been focusing on kind of that aspect, the character animation, because that Facial was animation. one of the yeah. one of the weak links in the first yep. game. Um, so yeah. Uh, also, like I'm not uh, the other thing I'd be interested in is like kind of the story, but uh, the the story of the first game is such a slow burn that I feel like they're not going to tell me anything of value in that regard in preview material. Like that's a thing you're going to have to learn for yourself playing the game. Yep. Because um, no matter what you do to kind of like quick describe the story of Horizon Zero Dawn, you're not going to succeed because it changed. You know the, the there's a couple of good twists in that story as to like what the actual what's actually going on. Yeah. Uh, and you know, so I'm interested to see how they expand that. Um, and if they found a way to expand it, that remains surprising and interesting as opposed to like, Oh yeah. Um, it, yeah, that computer is still actually not that dead. Like there's, there's more, Yeah, there's more, she got to go. There's more. She's got to go somewhere else. There's more. I mean, I'm, like, I'm interested in the rest of the mystery. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't think we're going to get any hints of that on Thursday. <laughs> no, I would think not. I would we may think get not. a very loose kind of plot synopsis. I mean, we've maybe. seen like what we, you know, there's like that. And like, there's, there's clearly a cult of humans that have sort of like devoted themselves to the bad AI or whatever, the bad computer. And they think that's what, you know, you know, the whole game is the whole franchise is kind of a, a warning sign against like believing too much weird religious stuff yeah. when you get down to it like even the good guys are like oh like by the end of it Aloy's is like yes mother is a goddess in a mountain it's not it's a, it's a machine that, that's a message our country needs right now yeah <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it's, it's, people it's more hopefully we'll play the new horizon game <laughs> uh let's see next commander fett oh i should also say thank you to jm rain who's handing out all the subs in our chat right now, and to Tiny2K, both you guys coming through once again in our chat. Thank you guys. Appreciate it a ton. Um, Commander Fett, what do you think the the effects services like Game Pass will have on mods in PC games? Do you think that Microsoft will let people make mods for Bethesda games like they used to, or will they push them even harder for a mod store? That's a good question. I mean, I'd imagine it'll be pretty much what we have now, which is, you know, they've got the in-game mod situation like they have for Skyrim and Fallout 4. Um, But you can still mod your install on PC to your heart's content. You know, I I I have mods installed through the actual mod store on the PC version of Skyrim. But I also have a couple that are not supported by Bethesda's mod store that I've installed through the the Nexus mods or whatever they call it. I think it's Vortex or something now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got another little thing I put in it that lets the that re-enables the achievements because fuck you, that's why. <laughs> um, and I'm still playing the game. I don't care if I put in a mod that makes the fucking tree prettier. I still want my achievements. Yeah. What the hell are you doing? Yeah. Um, but like, 
Uh, so I think it'll be pretty much like that. You can't really control what someone does with the install on, on your own PC. So I think the mod scene will still be there. Yeah, I think Microsoft has basically said it's going to allow Bethesda to continue doing what it has been doing. Yeah. And so I it's would think fine. that everything's just going to stay the same. Whatever Bethesda has decided it's going to do with mods in the past, uh, it's going to stick with that unless it decides to change. But I don't think yeah. Microsoft will force it to change its tactics. No, I think I think what you get in Skyrim on the Xbox now already you know, with that with the Bethesda approved mod store is still going to be what it is. Um, and on PC, you'll be able to do what the hell you want, just like always. Okay. Um, Zet Saber Juno, any upcoming spoiled episodes? You know what? Actually. I thought about doing one for the new zombie film. What's it called, Matt? The one that just debuted on Netflix? The Army of the Dead. Army of the Dead. Have you watched that yet? No, I had no interest in watching a two-and-a-half-hour Zack Snyder zombie movie. No. <laughs> well, you made the right call because <laughs> it is terrible. It could have well, yeah. been good. I'm... It's a heist movie where they have to go into a zombie-infested Vegas to like get a bunch of money out of mm-hmm. a vault. And... It starts out okay. The premise is fine. And then it, it's just the dumbest shit. Like, I, it's another one of those movies that I sit and watch, and I'm like, did anybody watch this before they put it out? Like, did they sit with anybody with an IQ over 60 and watch this movie? Because there are just plot holes everywhere. There's a scene where this girl breaks out of a store window. They already thought she was dead. Like, some jerk had, like, left her to die. And so you thought she was dead. Well, no, like the whole team is escaping. They're like, oh, she's dead. She's dead. She smashes through this glass window with like a couple zombies attached to her. And she's alive and she's fine. And they all stand there and watch her die for like five minutes. They could have run over, pulled the zombies off of her, pulled her. But no, they're like, whoop, too bad. She's going to die. And they just stand there. It's absurd. Like, and there is stuff all through that movie like that. So I had thought about doing a spoiled on that just for the entertainment value of just picking it apart, and it's so easy. Um, But Matt won't do it, apparently, so he won't watch it. So probably not. Uh, We haven't forgotten about it. Zack Snyder already got four hours of my life this year with that stupid (laughs) Justice League piece of shit. So, uh, no, I'm done watching Zack Snyder's movies. He... (laughs) He's a born second unit director who should never have been let near story or characters. Uh, he cannot tell a story to save his life. He really can't. It, just so, one of the one of, just. I'm glad he's out of the DC thing because I I think he 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 will be happier working on his own stuff. Like he deserves to work on stuff that is his own that where he can do whatever he wants. Um, he seems like a decent guy, like as a person. But like, holy shit! I hate everything he's ever made. <laughs> like, it's just well, I just so gave. How about the, this? I give you a mini spoiled okay. right there. <laughs> a little part of it. Uh, but look, certainly well, yeah, the only other thing I know is that at one point they play uh, the Cranberries song "Zombie" over a zombie scene without any irony. No, nope. that song is about the troubles in Ireland. They, it is not about zombies. Yep. And it's just sort of that thing is like like he is, Snyder's stuff is such surface level reading. He does that with songs all the time. It's like, oh, this song is in this scene because they say a relevant word to the scene in the chorus. It's like, yes, but it's not about that. It has nothing to do with that. Yeah. Like, it's very weird. Like, uh, I just, I don't know. Like, it's it's not a thing I had any intention of subjecting myself to. <laughs> no. uh, but I'll I'm be honest gonna... with you, I'm always on the lookout for stuff to do spoiled for. And, of course, I have to consider if Matt wants to discuss it or if he's watched it or finished the game. That's the other problem. Spoiled for games, obviously, everyone has to finish the game. 
Right. Um, and that's become that's um, obviously an issue. Always. I mean, most movies I will, but I just I I have I'm out of I'm out of Snyder juice for 2021. <laughs> like you. after watching that movie, man, I don't know if I could ever watch another one of his, of his films. I'll just be honest with you. It was that bad, that bad. And this is actually one case, Matt, where it appears that like critics and viewers also realize that it sucks. Like I didn't have to, I didn't go to like Rotten Tomatoes and it had like a 9.8 from like users. There's so no, many... it's all it's all hovering in like the seventies somewhere, which is that's still way too high. But it's better like than it, like but... than like a lot of times I'll watch a really bad movie and I'll go to Rotten Tomatoes just out of curiosity, and that movie will have like a nine or higher from the users. Like Well yeah, because there's no there's no limit on the user reviews there is for nothing there. more it's... unreliable than user reviews oh, yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. The worst. The well, worst. Because you can just you get like stuff that the you know the weirdos on the internet decide is great. They brigade it for positive, and if they decide they hate it, they brigade it brigade it for negative. And the user reviews on that site are completely useless. They reflect nothing except like whatever weird shit Reddit has decided should be the case. Well, a lot of them are just young kids who just get wowed by special effects or whatever. They don't even think, like, while they're watching a movie. They just sit there and let it wash over them. So I think that's where a lot of the ratings come from, too. Uh, let's see. Most of it comes from trolls. Like, they're, it's a it's a pretty common practice. Uh, and, and Snyder certainly has his, his cult of, of fans yeah. who will... Who uh, I mean, whatever, whatever floats your boat, I guess. But uh, the thing about the the Snyder thing for me is that, like, if you want to like them, fine. But like everyone I know who like likes like a lot of his stuff, and like I've like had conversations with about it, like they they cite stuff that is simply not in the films. Well, stuff like, that like, like was it, supposed to be in it but was cut. Yeah, or or, or no, <laughs> no. I mean, just stuff that's not like like how Man of Steel has so much heart and it's the most it's the most human Superman that's ever. It's like no, it's fucking not. There's no heart in that movie. Are you out of your mind? Like, it's like like it as much as you want, but don't fucking lie to me. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I've seen the Christopher. I've that's seen the Christopher Reeves Superman. Like that's that's the movie with heart. There is no heart in Man of Steel. Yeah. Uh, here's one from Erebus Jones. With the Biomutant devs having put out a version of the on the PS5 that was considerably visually inferior to the Xbox Series X version due to quote-unquote tech issues, and the new Sniper Ghost Warrior being delayed on PS5 because of quote-unquote tech issues. Is this a coincidence or the beginning of a pattern? I played Biomutant on PS5. It looked great to me. So I don't know what the... Deal is there. I don't know. I played it on Series X, and I thought it had a lot of visual problems. Uh, I mean, it has especially LOD especially issues. Up. Yeah, but like, like foliage will it, draw in. Oh, lots of drawing. Yeah. yeah. Um, if it's worse on PS5, like that's that's too bad because I, I didn't. I don't feel like it's really pushing the envelope too much here. Well, you got to keep in mind too; these are not next gen versions. This is yeah. the PS4 version that I am playing on PlayStation Five, so mm-hmm. this just looks a little crisper or whatever. But I didn't, I don't know. I mean, I've watched a good bit of footage of Biomutant. I don't know. I don't know the story, so I don't know how true any of that no, is. No. Uh, but to answer your question, uh, is this a coincidence or the beginning of a pattern? I don't think so. Like, I don't know why there would be anything about the PlayStation 5 that would make it harder to Yeah, and it shouldn't be. It's not all that different, really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll see. Like, it's not a, it, it is kind of literally, you know, the old adage, uh, once is luck, two ice is a coincidence, and three times is enemy action. Yeah. Um, we're at coincidence level right now. Yeah. If we get another game that does that, then, I, then I'd then i say you've got a pattern. 
Yep. Uh, see if we got any others. Because they sure, sure as hell don't need another cell processor situation on their hands where it's like the tricky one to develop for and you got to cut corners or make compromises to get it on there on time. El Guapo says, I'm probably the only person who likes Snyder Cut. I'm definitely not one of them, and Matt's not one of them. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people like Snyder Cut, but uh, I thought it's one of the worst things I've ever seen. Hey, so. um, Matt, did you see the rumors about... Disney buying DC. Yeah, those that's nonsense. I thought it was. So Complete I figured nonsense. I'd ask you because I knew that you would know. No. I saw it on Facebook. Like there is no possible way DC it. is being sold alongside. DC is going with the rest of Warner's over to Discovery Media because that's where all the IP is. There is no way Discovery paid that much money and that 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 happened, and they're going to let go of the company that uh, that does all that stuff. And there's no way, not a chance in hell. Okay. I just saw it. It was people. A lot of people were sharing yeah. it on Facebook, and so I figured it I'd does go. look like Amazon's going to buy MGM. Um, so why would uh, Amazon do that? Because they want a prestige movie studio, and that would also give give them James Bond. Um, so No Time to Die might be the last theatrically released theatrically released James Bond movie. Huh. Uh, so they're just they would do that just to load up Amazon Prime with content. Uh, with they'd have IP to work with, they would have a lot of backlog, about a, a lot of back catalog to put on there exclusively. Um, it would be a, a boon for their streaming, yeah. Okay. And it would let them do take their prestige, you know, the movies they do every year, do a prestige thing, and put M, the MGM Lion in front of them, which is a known brand for movie studios, and they could run them in theaters briefly and under the MGM brand and call it, uh, you know, eligible for Oscars. Like it's. You know, the, Amazon desperately wants to be taken seriously as a content producer. Uh, so I think that would just be sort of the direction they'd go with it. Amazon not really known for creativity. Let's just be honest. Even despite no, but all they're their making originals. hard plays. You know, they're about to put that Lord of the Rings show out, yeah. and like they're they spent a billion dollars on that. Yeah, um, that's insane. Like they are, they are. In they're the next trying. couple of years, they're going to come in hard trying to be an original content creator, and we'll see how they do. But like. Not probably, a great gonna track go be- probably gonna go better than Luna does. Um, <laughs> I would agree with that probably. I'm just gonna keep kicking Luna until it uh, <laughs> until it comes out and, and crashes and burns like Stadia did. All right, uh, all right, that's gonna do it for Game Face episode 257. Thanks to everybody on chat who asked all the great questions to end the show and for sticking around until the end of the episode. Um, if you're listening to the show on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or if you're watching the show on YouTube for free after a four-day delay, please check us out at patreon.com slash sifted. That's S-I-F-T-D without the E. And drop us a pledge for just $4 a month. You get all our content early. Pack your factory. You get it a week early. Everything else, four days usually. Um, we really need it. We could really... Uh, it would really help us produce more content. One of our goals on there right now is to do a second episode of Game Face per week. But we have to hit the goal before we can do it. Otherwise, we can't afford it. Uh, so check it out. Again, patreon.com slash sifted. Um, also, another reminder, next week's show, streaming live on Wednesday instead of Tuesday. It will be at 1, uh, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern as usual. Uh, but it will be a day later. Um, I'll try to remember to come in here because people don't always get the message. And when we don't do the show at Tuesday at 1 o'clock, there's a lot of people who just show up in our chat. And they're like, what the hell is going on? I'll try to remember to do that next week at 1 o'clock to let people know that the show isn't happening. But again, it is happening on Wednesday instead. And if you can't afford to help us, you can always hook up 
Twitch Prime. Again, that's down in the description here on YouTube. And while I'm talking about YouTube, why don't you like it, subscribe it, ring the bell, all that crap that'll help us. I don't really know how it helps us, but everyone says it does, so please do it. <laughs> but if you can't afford to help us in any way, there's always Twitch Prime, and you can do that. Or you can just make sure you watch the ads on YouTube. There's always little things that you can do to help sift it, even if you don't have any money or any finances to help us in that way. And if you are one of those people, make sure you follow Sifted on Twitter, at Sifted Games. We, every time we publish something for free on YouTube or anywhere else, we post it there. You'll know right away. If you want to find me on Twitter, I am at Dinfire. If you want to find Matt on Twitter, he's at MKyle. And if you want to find Vincent on Twitter, who you heard from a little earlier, he is at Vincent Sifted. So on behalf of Matt and Vincent, thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for your support. Much love. Game Face is up and out.